It all comes down to this role. Roy Munson, a man-child, with a dream to topple bowling giant Ernie McCracken. If he strikes, he's the 1979 Odor Eaters champion. He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. Hey, do you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud? Was I? Sorry. Good luck. Movies more evidence that Bill Murray is the funniest man on earth, by the way. That great scene was it towards the end when he when he throws the strike and he wins and he turns around, he does the huge victory thing and his toupee is sort of half off. Flopped over. Having <laughs> back. And he's just got that big the big like translucent ball with the rose in the middle of it. God damn I love that movie. Thank you, Bill Murray. Thank you. Why, uh, hello, it is uh, two minutes and 14 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of March, the year of our Lord, 2008. <laughs> Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM970, uh, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along and making it uh, part of your listening day. It is Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. A special greeting to those listening on the AM970 live stream. <gasps> No way. Hello there. Hello. Uh, that is uh, beginning today. If you are an AM970 glorious bastard, you are listening to us, uh, well, quite possibly anyway, on the live stream at this very moment. Uh, everyone else must wait until uh, next Tuesday, April 1st. But the uh, glorious bastards got the announcement this morning uh, telling them w- uh, where and how to listen. Uh, so hi and howdy to y'all. Uh, we'll continue to do the, uh, the archiving and the podcasting and the whatnot and the hey, hey. But uh, the live stream actually launched today. And somebody asked me, because we're doing the, uh, how out of shape I am. Just during that opening Kingpin 7, I had to run to the water cooler and get some water. And then I had to run back. A grand total, by the way, I would say maybe 30 feet. Uh, and so now I'm all winded again. Just uh, get it together here. In any event, uh, so the uh, live stream now airs uh, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. So it's the recap hour. Uh, and then the regular program. Now, the rest of the day, at the risk of sounding totally self-serving, the rest of the day is just 19 hours of us. The rest of the day is just 19 hours of the best of Rick Emerson. Uh, what? Well, because we're not because we're not cleared to air any of the other shows yet. And I don't want it to be just so dead just, air. And whenever anyone listens, it's all us all the time. All us 24 hours a day. <laughs> Feel that. My mom would be so proud. Badass. Uh, so we're just forced into that. It, it, I mean, I guess on the way, it looks like... Uh, well, I guess she can be proud. I guess I could tell her to listen to the live stream. My no. my mother could too become a glorious bastard. And it's post delay too, so she won't have to hear any of, any of Aaron's filthy talk. 
Anyway, so the uh, live stream now airs Monday through Friday, 10 to 3. You get the recap hour uh, and the show, and then the rest of the day is just uh, the best of the Rick Emerson show. And we're gonna we'll sort of phase that out as time goes on, uh, as we get legal clearance to you know to air like the rest of the stations line it. But for now, it's uh, it's all us, baby, all us and nothing but us. So that begins today. Uh, also, we made this announcement yesterday, coming Thursday, uh, May 15th, 8 p.m., uh, we have the, uh, looking at the hotline, ringing for some reason. Well, Richie will figure it out. Uh, coming Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m., uh, Rick Emerson Listener Party 11 will be happening. Uh, some more details on that in the coming weeks. That is a Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. Make a note of it now, won't you? Rick Emerson Listener Party the 11th. Uh, will be taking place. So more details on that as things go forward. What else? I think that's it in terms of announcements right now. Uh, coming up uh, today, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us today. I think they they wanted to talk about the XM Sirius merger, but really, what is there to say about that? I mean, a merger of two companies that you probably weren't using to begin with, you're certainly not going to be using them now that they're one company. And in 10 years, you won't have to worry about using either of them. So there you go. Uh, we will talk a little bit about uh, Barack Obama later today. And we had some of this yesterday. But there was that story with, is that done as only a Clinton could do it? That story where Hillary Clinton was talking about going to Bosnia and having to, I was having to run from enemy fire and to keep my head down because they were trying to kill me. So CBS was there, had the video, <laughs> and ruined it. There's, there's nobody there shooting at anybody. I mean, that really is, and she, and the, the great thing about it was when she acknowledged it, she didn't even say like, I'm sorry, you caught me making things up. She just sort of went, well, maybe I misremembered. Bam! She just gave it to Roger Clemens and moved forward. Anyway, uh, so we'll talk about, it was really great to see CBS doing the debunking, by the way. Mm -hmm. Well done, CBS. In color. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins about that. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roof uh, will join us today to tell us where some of Hollywood's favorite celebrities will be vacationing this summer. Uh, let's see. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us uh, to talk about... So did you, did you see this thing? That, so this this guy... Uh, what's his name? Um, Patterson? The guy who... Did, because there was the Spitzer guy who was the governor of New York who got booted out because of the 80000 he spent on whores. So then they replaced it with this guy, Patterson, who, like, right out of the gate says, and by the way, I stripped 55 women in the last year, uh, and so did my wife, in your face. Now it's come out that he was a big cocaine user as well. He's on track to be the best mayor ever. Uh, let's see. I think that's it. Uh, what else? Top five coming up today. Uh, great top five, and I canvassed the whole building for this. Um, I, I haven't really been able to sort of narrow down exactly how it is to describe this top five, all of the descriptions are coming up with are way too long. But the general, the general thesis of today's top five is top five songs that really, by this point in human history, you ought to be sick of. They ought to be unlistenably corny or cheesy. Yet, you wholeheartedly embrace them in a non-kitschy fashion. Uh, but sort of the gimmick is uh, we asked a bunch of people from uh, various radio stations here, and uh, they all kind of chimed in with one each. Uh, so we'll do that later on today. That is today's top five. What else? Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Big bowling news coming up today. Uh, and uh, your phone calls and the whatnot and the hey, hey. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Tuesday. An Oregon man is pregnant. The snow level could drop to 500 feet. At Focus, Craigslist ad victim has some of his stolen stuff back. Dick Cheney blames the 4,000 war debt on the president and reminds us all the victims volunteered to go over. 
A new game for the young girls encourages them to get breast implants and pop diet pills. <laughs> Hillary gets caught telling that fib. Uh, George Michael announces his first U.S. tour in 17 years. Bam. He'll be in Seattle July 2nd. Excellent. And let's see, his album goes on sale March 25th. All over that. An 93-year-old man is arrested in a prostitution sting. An actor from The Wire is stabbed in the buttocks. And D.B. Cooper's parachute may have been found. Really? Yes. It's, it's a, a good day. day ever. It's a damn good day. Thank you, Tim Riley. George Michael, D.B. Cooper, pregnant Oregon man. And young girls getting breast implants and popping diet pills. I love this country. That's our America. America. F yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll uh, talk to Sarah here in just one second. Who's got some big news about tonight. Uh, let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, CBS Radio Portland Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. Hello, sir. Hello, and good morning. I, I, I just had an epiphany. And I wanted to add to your list of the 970 greatest things ever. Yes, sir. The Rick Emerson live stream. Yes, and thank you, my friend. Thank you to Brian Jones thank for helping you, Brian to put Jones. that together. I just wanted to call and give you a, a hearty congratulations. Um, you, you already have. Well, let me let me just refresh my browser here. Do you, do you want to know how many people are listening right this very second? Yes. On no. The stream. Well, yes. I can't. Uh, I, I'm happy to tell you, Rick, that both of your listeners have made it to the stream. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, no matter how high that number is, it's really not going to be enough to placate my gargantuan ego. Let's be honest. Well, you know, you, you've been really you've been on live now for what about ten minutes, right? Yeah. There are 73 people listening live on the stream right now. Fantastic. Yay. And, you know, and that, number, that number has been steadily growing, um, you know, since kind of we started talking about it at about 10 o'clock this morning. Excellent. So. Fantastic. So, um, you know, hey, just a couple of quick technical things for your listeners. Yes, sir. You, have you already explained to them kind of the, you know, blah, 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 the, the stream is not in sync with the radio station, can be delayed by... You know, numbers of minutes. You don't hear the same commercials on the stream that you hear on the radio. Oh, that's that true. Thing. That's true because it, yeah, it'll. I mean, it is. It is live, but because there's a delay and because the commercials that we play here on right. the air don't go out over the stream, it gets shifted by a couple of minutes either way. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, and, and it'll drift. And I, so I just didn't want people to be, you know, kind of confused by the fact that they're calling in. Eh, people like to listen to themselves on the radio, which is why you have a show. How about uh, I? Uh, how about I give them your direct email and they can contact you with any number of technical questions. You know what? If anybody has any questions or any problems with the stream, they can email me directly. It's seriously. No, I'm serious. They can they can email me if they want. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it, Brian with a Y dot Jones. Uh huh. At cbsradio.com. Really, you don't. You have no idea the trouble you're asking for with that. Well, you know, I can ignore their email just like I ignore yours. <laughs> Excellent. Well done, my friend. Thank have you, a Brian. Great show, guys. Talk Th to you later. Thank you, Brian Jones, director of engineering for CBS Radio Portland. Wonderful, fantastic. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. In a moment, we'll get our first call from somebody who is listening on the stream right now as we speak. And so uh, this is uh, okay. Well, we'll get him in just a second. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show, uh, Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are Hi, you? Hi, I just got the coolest email from somebody, and they're um, it's from somebody in Arizona, and they're like the best day ever, the best show ever. It's just this huge. And it says thank you, thank you, thank you for the live stream. It's really you don't have to thank me. Frank I... and Sarah and. Oh, Arizona Frank and Bastardette Sarah. Hi, hello, and how are you? I uh, well, I didn't really do anything. Really, it is um, there. There are really two people we have to to thank here at the top. Uh, Brian Jones, who we just spoke to, is the director of engineering. Uh, he uh, put in a lot of work to get the stream done, and really, a, a massive, huge shout out goes to Bridget upstairs. Uh, and Bridget has really been working uh, just, just overtime because you know because she does. 
uh, the web stuff for the entire building here. I mean, it, 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 three different radio stations. Uh, you know, I think she does some work that you know the spillover from the other building as well. So uh, Bridget really has been, I mean, really just busting her hump, as they say, uh, to get this done. So uh, in addition to revamp, she just did the whole revamp of the station website. Um, you know, in, it, it, she puts together the logos, the graphics, she designs everything, and she just uh, has really had her nose to the grind in the last few days to get the stream done. So, Bridget and Brian uh, have made this uh, possible. So, you know, if you're going to send like a dozen flowers uh, somewhere, they really so ought Bridget, not go to me. Yeah, they should have go to Bridget's me. Bridget's one of those people Bridget who just makes me feel stupid. Like, she's just so talented and so just good at what she does. She I'm like, created I these sit here. fine ID cards that Tim and I sport. So, uh, oh, I need to get one of those. Yeah, oh, and tonight's our. Championship bowling. Okay, so that's the deal. So tonight is the bowling championship for the... Uh... No, no, no. Keep going. Okay. For the media league where you all are going to be playing against who? KUFO? We're playing against KUFO. It's two... So um... who, is on, who is on your team? So it's... Uh, on my team, it's me. Well, we can only have four people playing. So right. for our team, it's going to be me, Richie, um, this guy Chug, and... Uh, Chug. Chug. His name's Chris. Uh-huh. And Squid from uh, 94.7. Excellent. And then also uh, Aaron Geek in the City's on our team, so is Lara Yeah, Emerson. I think we're going to come by and sort of lend our support, I think. Yeah. Uh, now, who are you playing? Now, we're playing KUFO, and that's Dave Zinn, um, this girl named Terry, a guy named Shaw, and... I don't know any oh, of these people. Oh, I always script this other guy's name. It's really nice. The um, only person I know is Dave. Yeah. All right. Well, it doesn't matter. They're, they're going to fall before your sickle. Oh, they're gonna Dave fall is before really, really good, though. Dave is the Bill Murray of the, uh, I Bill saw him get the KUFO like team. seven strikes in a row the other week. Yeah. Like, he, he like continuously gets, like, most valuable player. Well, it doesn't matter. He's going to be no match for Dave isn't enough to prop up that feeble team. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's tonight. Bowling championships. Fantastic. Wish me luck. Wonderful. Excellent. Whew. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Before I talk about the dentist, the dentist... As Guy Patterson would say, let us, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, and good morning to you. Thank you, Rick, for putting up the live stream, or Brian. Hi, uh, Sarah, hi, Tim. Yeah, the hi, thanks Tim. really have to go to Brian Jones and uh, Bridget from upstairs. They really have I, done the, the bulk of the a, work. Uh, I need to get his, uh, his, his address, and a, a box of alcoholic beverages will be on their way to his... His office. That is the best way to say thank you to any radio employee, sir. Nothing says uh, thank you like booze. <laughs> I know. So, hey, um, this is awesome. After three years of underground streams, you know, hijacked streams, various podcasts that went and, and, and uh, disappeared. I really right. have to, I have to say this really is sort of like, uh, you know, the Allies relaying messages, uh, you know, during the, uh, you know, the, 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 during the Battle of Anzio or something. Because we haven't really had an official stream for a long time. I think we have one at KOTK, but even that one I think was maybe not... Even the stream at KOTK, I don't think corporate knew about it. I think that was a thing Bruce Agler like ran out of the back room like a floating craps game. I think he, uh, I think he like ran that out of his office on some some weird server base in like Zagreb or something. Uh, so and then yeah, we had some uh, some listeners uh, who have really done a, a yeoman's job over the last couple of years of keeping this running with sort of uh, the last like five years, yeah, like bootleg streams and pirate streams that I of course didn't know anything about. Uh, but uh, that were sort of out there, and then we had the podcasting and the archiving. Mean, this is the, uh, the uh, this is the first real, flat-out, full-on official stream of the show that we've ever had. So uh, anyway, so we're, we're glad you're there. So glad you're enjoying it. It's truly a glorious thing. Thank, Thank you, Rick. you, my friend. Help. Spread the word. All right, there you go. There's uh, Tony in Seattle. Fantastic. All right, uh, let's see. So what what else do we have uh, coming up today? Um, 
Well, we got some other stuff, but I really would be remiss if I didn't talk about my dental experience. Oh, and now Tim's leaving, so I have to wait. I'll wait. No, no, no. I'll wait. No, because everybody has to be in the room to suffer along with me. I was worse than that thing I was reading you this morning about the parasite and Demi Moore. Nothing you read. Here's the thing. The dental pain, it's, you had a, a great slash terrible story today about, I swear to you, Demi Moore and leeches. And so we'll read that later on. It's not that the leeching story is better oh, or I worse. Oh, didn't, I didn't even save the leech story. Oh, really? Did you got to print it out. It's so gross. Yeah. Okay. Who are you? What show do you work on? I know. It's just like anything having to do with like... This is the first day of the stream. How can we not inaugurate okay, it with a people, leeching story? The people do need... All right, I the found people it. Need, people love leeching, Sarah. Oh. Uh, so it's not that the leeching story is better or worse than the dental story. It's just that dental discomfort is like its own thing. It's in its own category. You know do what I mean? Do you have cavities? No, I mean... Do I have cavities? What do you think? Who wants to take... Do you want to place bets on how many cavities you think I have? I don't know, because I know you're all crazy about your teeth now. I don't have any cavities. It's between zero and ten. I'll put it that way. How do you know you don't have any cavities? Because I went to the dentist like a couple of years ago, and I didn't have any cavities. A couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Well, even then, I would still be 25, and that's a pretty long time to make it through life without getting any cavities. I'm just saying. I'm trying to plant the seed of doubt, and I don't want to suffer alone. Um, no, until it hurts, I'm not going to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> that's the spirit. Um, so, well, the, here's the thing. is I haven't been to the dentist I lied. I totally lied to the guy, too, uh, when he said, uh, first of all, I should back up. So I go to the dentist uh, yesterday, and I was supposed to go a few weeks ago, but I postponed it. And then I ended up going uh, yesterday. So I was already fatigued because I came back from Vegas. It's all worn out. Not grumpy as such, but just sort of like, you know, you're feeling like you're kind of on edge a little bit. Like your your brain isn't quite settled. You're a little like, ah, you know, because you've just been up for like three days. So when I had called my insurance company, they had said, like, they. it's not like with uh, my, my medical insurance. When I called my dental insurance company, they're like, you know, we don't do the appointment for you, but, you know, here's a website. They list all the dentists in the, in the, in the network. Just go and find a dental office. So I just started calling at the top. I just started, you know, the AAAA Aardvark Dentist. Fine. You know, call. They, everybody was busy. They were all busy or they were gone or they were closed. So I just started going down the list one by one by one by one. Because my whole thing is I wasn't going to leave a message. I'm really impatient with stuff like that. Like, I'm not going to leave a message. I'm not. And if you can't pay, let's just be honest. Dentists make a lot of money. You mm -hmm. know, being a dentist, that's a good income. If oh, you, I know from Delane's husband. Yeah. If you, as they say in Glengarry Glen Ross, if you can't pay some broad to sit there and answer the phones, I'm not giving you my business. Leave a message and you'll call me back? No. If you, I mean, really, how much does it cost to have some temp sit there and take my information? So I would call and it would say, like, you have reached the Hong Kong Dental Office. Our business hours are at the tone, leave a message, and I would just hang up. So I was just going down the list one by one, uh, not even really looking at the name, just calling one one number after another. Finally, I, I get a dental office. The woman answers it uh, with a very pronounced, uh, I don't know what, uh, I don't know where she's from, but it was very clearly an Asian woman, very pronounced Asian accent. And, you know, that's always a little tricky, too, because you don't want to be an ugly American, so you're sort of... How do you put this? Sort of squinting with your ears a little bit, trying to listen really hard. And so I made the appointment with her, uh, and so the appointment was yesterday. So I go, to the, I go to the appointment yesterday. First of all, the dentist is on Southeast 82nd Avenue, so that's a good place to start. Um, that's, when I had my ear infection, that's where my doctor was. Southeast 82nd in a strip mall. Even better. So there. <laughs> Maybe it's the same office. Maybe. Maybe they just turned like the optician is fine. in. Totally. Five cents. Um, so I go there. I walk in, and I mean, there's... Nothing really wrong with this, I suppose, but it was a little awkward at first because first I was the only white man in there because 
I guess, in retrospect, it must be uh, a dental office that specializes in Asian patients. Because all, all the patients were Asian, everybody at the front desk Asian, all the dental hygienists and assistants Asian, all the doctors Asian. See, mine's different because everyone I went to, they were all Russian. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you feel a little unnerved about that, Russian was, dental care? Yeah, it was, a, it was a small Russian community. We filled teeth with concrete and sand. Um, so there I am, and... I think, I wondered if they were sort of looking at me like, why is white man here to get teeth worked on? You know, I, they specialized in, you know, because you get up in 82nd, and that's where, like, the Chinatown area has really moved up. That's where that Fubon place is. Mm-hmm. And all, up there now. all of those Asian restaurants. So I think it must be a dental place that, that really is there to service the Asian community. But, of course, because I'm impatient, I was just, I'm, you know, whoever answers first, that's where I'm going. So there I go, and I'm filling out the information and, you know, answering all the whatever. And they take me back there, and first of all, Let's just go through the dental procedure real briefly. They do that thing where they're taking your x-rays and they shove that huge piece of rubbery, like a mouth guard in your mouth and you get to bite down. Oh, and, and it hurts. It's cutting up in here. Totally. It's jamming into the roof of your mouth and they're bringing the little x-ray thing down. First of all, I don't really know that I even want an answer to this because it's going to take up more time than it's worth probably, but I don't understand. Why they cover this and not... It's not that. I don't understand. No, the lead apron, I guess I sort of get because uh, they are saturating you with like... You know, radiation. What I don't understand is how they have, why they have to jam the rubbery thing into your mouth when they're g- taking an X-ray of your mouth. What rubbery thing? Because when I did it, like it's it's like a T-shaped piece of paper. I'm well, it's a piece not. of paper. This would this was like that, but it was covered in latex, which I guess is like a safety thing they do now. Hmm. Um, yeah, it, because I've had the roof of my mouth cut sounds, by those that things. That sounds like an old school thing out of the seventies. <laughs> with yeah, what's the rubbery culture thing? Has, well, it's the same thing. It's the T-shaped thing, but it, they it's cover like a piece it in, of paper, and they fold down that flap, yeah. and you bite on the flap. But they cover it. Uh, the, at least at this place, they cover everything in latex now. Uh, and I think that again, I think that is like a maybe it's an 80-second thing. Um, but it was that same T-shaped thing, but it was coated in rubber. And yeah, they jam it into your mouth, and you, okay, you bite down now. And I'm like, and it's jamming itself into the skin of my mouth. And yeah. she's having to adjust it all the way around. I don't understand what that's for. Somebody told me that that was the actual film. Uh, that they use, but that doesn't make any sense either. Because if you get a chest X-ray, they don't have to put film in your in your no, that's, lungs. Uh, that's what I believe because it flashes and then it Im- and then it takes a picture through your teeth onto that film. See why don't they? And then wh- they take out the film, and you know how they have the little squares so you can see the different parts of your teeth. That's the film. That seems weird though because they don't have to do that with any other kind of X-ray. They're gonna X-ray your hand. They don't have to fill your hand full of paper. Uh, it seems like they ought to be like the dental world ought to come along with everybody else. Uh, so they're. And, of course, they do that one thing, and I think they save it for the end, where they're jamming the dental film so far back in your mouth that you really feel like you're going to hurl. Mm-hmm. Like you're sort of gagging. You're like, okay, just keep it together. Okay. All right. We're waiting for the click. Come on. Click. And you're like, okay, come take it out. You know, and you don't want, and you don't want to be pulling it out because then you have to do it again. Um, anyway, so she, so she does the thing, and then the dentist guy comes in. He leans back, and he's, you know, he comes in, he's, you know, and obviously English as a uh, as a second language, and I would suspect pretty recently. Uh, and so, you know, he and I are working through a bit of a language barrier as he's tilting me back in the chair. And he's, he opens my, and I made some notes uh, immediately afterward. I went to the lobby and wrote down some of these things. Um, but so I'm, I'm leaning back there, and he goes, how long since you've been dentist? And, I, and of course, I lie. I don't want to say 13 years. So I say, um, well, it's, it's been a couple of years. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can tell. You don't go to dentist a long time. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's huh. true. Sorry about that. And so what does he start doing? I'm back in the chair, and he has that funky, weird mirror that's on, you know, that's on the little slanty thing. Looks like a toothpaste, uh, toothbrush. 
And so this is what he starts saying to the, to the nurse. Uh, E5, uh, 17O, 31M, 25Q. So I do believe I have something about $1,000 so far. <laughs> he never, he wouldn't, he didn't tell me the final number, but I did count. I mean, unless I was missing something, I did count, in fact, five cavities that I apparently have. So that's lots of fun. Uh, so I get the five cavity uh, that's filled the next time I go in. So there's no discount. No, <laughs> no. So so he so he says so, and he actually asked me. He goes, so what are you here for? And I said, I said, oh, I'm I'm here for the I'm here just for basically a checkup. And he goes, how about cleaning? You want cleaning? And I said, well, I I probably need a cleaning. And he goes, okay, I give you checkup and cleaning today. We do other work Friday. And I'm like, all right. So he leans me back, and then they immediately bring out that cleaning thing. And you know the cleaning thing I'm talking about, where it's like. The it's, water, and then it's like has the sucky thing and the water thing. No, no, no. But that's see, that's just a thing to spray out your mouth so he can see everything clearly. The cleaning thing is that Tim, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a high vibration metal thing that yeah. goes against your teeth. It is like someone scraping their nails on a chalkboard inside your mouth. I mean, that's what it is. So I'm leaning back in the chair, and he's doing that. All, all up and down all of my teeth, and he keeps saying things like. Whoa, this whole lot of plaque. I not see lot. I not seen so much plaque in a long time. And he's just, your teeth horrible. <laughs> I'm just sitting there as he's, as he's running this thing inside my teeth that's literally vibrating all the bones in my head. And I'm, you know, and you're you're sitting there trying not to be a pussy as he's going like, like scraping the thing along like up inside my gums. Literally, there are points where he feels, it feels like it's jamming up into my jawline. Okay. Right. That's that's a tooth cleaning. Yeah, it's a lot of I, fun. I get four, I, no, three per year. It's a regular tooth cleaning. I, something special I, like I don't think it's special for you because you get three of them per year. Well, that's what normal people get. <laughs> At least two, I, if I, not three. I think when you get one every 15 years, okay. uh, I, I, I think the plaque is a little bit more substantial at that point. Uh, so, so that's what we all want to think about going to the lunch hour. <laughs> this is the best part, though. As I'm leaning back in the chair and he's taking this razor-sharp metal thing that vibrates at like a billion vibrations a second. He's jamming it into my teeth. And, of course, you're laying back there, and you can't say anything. You can't respond. And you just, you're sitting there just being, it's, you just feel like, you're, you know, it's like a big mouth raping going on. You're just leaning back there just being traumatized. And, and of course, he's behind the mask, and he has the big pull-down light shining in your eyes, so it feels all weird and surreal anyway. And he's cleaning my teeth, and I hear this, he goes, oh, there's a whole lot of blood here. <laughs> oh. That's that's what you, and of course you can't see, right? You have no idea what's going on. Just, what? Why? What, what do you not? What is the need telling me? What's going on? How do I? And then you start getting the Rich, weird. You feel the need to like share these things that you really shouldn't. Yeah, this is too much. No, it's. it's yeah, I'm going to continue. Much. Too much. Way too much. And then you start. Thank you for the first day of streaming. And then as he's doing this, you start to get all the weird thoughts in your head, like, how do I know he's really a dentist? I didn't see any credentials. I didn't see any license hanging on the wall. Well, a hygienist doesn't have to be a dentist. I have no proof he's really a doctor. I don't even know that he works here. You realize that he could just be some guy who came in off the street. You don't know. Could be anybody. Um, anyway, so um, so we finished the whole thing. And he actually goes, he goes, oh, you know, you, you're not come for a long time. You have lots of plaque. You will feel a difference. And I run my tongue kind of over my teeth. And my teeth feel all skinny and small. And I realized that's just because I just had so much plaque built up. My teeth just felt larger than they were. And he gives me that lecture. He goes, where he says, um, where he says, 
So, do uh, you floss? How often? Let's go around the room. Do we floss? Tim, you floss. Yes. Sarah? I floss, um, like, a couple times a week. Yeah, that was me, too. I lied on the form. One to twice a week. Oh, uh, no, but I really do. See, I don't. Not at <laughs> okay. all. See, I lied, and I said, I was like, I can't say I never floss, but I don't want to say I floss three times daily after mm. meals and between snacks. I just, I, one to tw- one time, you know, to two per week, just because I figured that that'll get me, like, you know, under the under the you know the the, the radar or whatever. And he goes, "How often do you floss?" I go, "Oh, once, once or twice a week." He goes, "Yeah." And he gives me the look, and it's not angry, but it's like that look that father figures are able to do, sort of, where he's just sort of disappointed. <laughs> he goes, "Well, your teeth in bad shape. You have lots of bone loss." And I'm just like, I'm just sitting there, like, why am I here? What is wrong with me? That's kind of funny. <laughs> and so he was just all disappointed. My my teeth feel all skinny because all of the plaque. Is this that like made them... you go on every like every day or like oh my teeth are so clean because I had bad teeth when I was a yeah. child. Now I take a, no. like pristine care of them. You Not guys, anymore. Like, Wait, no, half of my teeth were plaque. My <laughs> teeth are skinny. They were mostly plaque. Lots of bone loss and oh, there's a lot of blood Your here. Teeth do look smaller today. Yes, they do. Uh, you know what they're going to look on Friday? They're going to look full of holes in silver. So I get to go back on Friday now. After all of this, after the horrific trauma of having this metal thing jammed into my teeth for like half an hour, and then he, of course, hoses it out with that water that, like, literally has just come from a glacier. Do you know what I mean? Where you're leaning back, I could get this room temperature water. No, I use water 33 degrees. You just sit there and go, why are you doing this to me? So... Anyway, so I get to go back on Especially Friday. Especially after your teeth are all naked and exposed. Totally. <laughs> it's like, let's freeze them. I jackhammer my teeth for half an hour, then dump ice in mouth. Well, you do know, <laughs> if you're going back to get teeth filled, you're going to get some needles. Uh, oh, but here's my thing. Long ones. See, I'm not being gross. Tim's being gross, too. No, I'm not that's being like gross. gross. That's like the blood squirting out of his head. <laughs> blood squirting out of somebody. No. And, and, I, and I hate Welcome to say to this. Welcome to the new streaming. I hate to say this, <laughs> yeah. though, but, but his, his limited facility with the English language did make some of those statements. Did it make it a little more comical? Funnier and more horrible. You know? Like, you know, you have lots of plaque. You've not got to a dentist in years. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I got, what, how much do I have to pay you to stop? Um... So, now, my final question here, then we'll break, is, is there any reason, medically speaking, that you know of, that I can't load up on Valium on Friday when I go to the dentist? A lot of times, the, uh, they'll prescribe it if you call up and ask. Sweet. I'm totally doing that. Because I haven't had a filling. I mean, I've had cavities, clearly, but I haven't had a filling in over 20 years. I haven't had a drill in my mouth. I mean, I was in grade school. So, um, anyway, so I'm going to load up on some Xanax or some Ativan or something when I go in on Friday. That's well, not going to... It sounds like the technology at your dentist hasn't changed. <laughs> Being on 80 seconds, there's... It's like the Flintstones. There's like an aardvark running on a belt outside. It's a living. Did you ever have braces? No. Oh, the worst de- time I ever had. Well, I guess that was an orthodontist, but um, them taking my braces off, it felt like my teeth were being ripped out of my head. Yeah. Uh, it's a oh, special kind of like, horror. Yeah. And because it's, as I always say, the worst part is it's in your mouth, so all of the sounds resonate right into your ears. Like when he's doing the cleaning thing. So, welcome to the stream, kids. Good start. <laughs> oh, there's a whole lot of blood here. All right. Let's take a break, shall we? Back after this, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop. Don't you feel better about your own lives compared to me, though? That's the service I provide. At least I'm not him. Back after this. Toxic wasteland. I take out a whole jaw. Go polish in back room. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 733 2970. 
Uh, greetings to everybody listening on the AM 970 live stream, which launched today uh, for the Glorious Bastards. And that's just the Glorious Bastards you got it today. Everybody else gets it next week. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, in one moment, we'll welcome Lisa Desjardins to the program. Uh, this is Heather. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Well, I just wanted to call in there and had a couple of cavities that they're supposed to fill, but they kept trying to sell me on the deep cleaning, um, which, of course, insurance wouldn't pay for. And I kept saying, no, 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 I don't want the deep cleaning. Well, I came back, you know, a few days later to get my two cavities filled. And, of course, they gave me a couple of shots, numbed me up. And the dentist is doing something that doesn't quite seem like he's filling cavities. So finally I asked him, and he says, oh, I'm doing deep cleaning like you asked. And I said, no, 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 I don't want a deep cleaning. And then they have to give me two more shots on the other side to actually fill the cavities. Fantastic. Excellent. Oh, yeah. And a couple of days later, one of the back teeth near where they filled the cavity broke in half. And uh, Well, that's great, Heather. Thanks so much. I'm feeling ever so uh, much better about my dental visit. Oh, yes, and I suggest the Valium because they didn't have nitrous oxide. Okay, so. no, I'm all about the Valium. I, yeah. uh, it, it, because uh, I have, the last time I got Valium prescribed to me was about a year and a half ago. And I just I didn't end up not taking most of it. But here, whenever I realize, whenever I've had anything like that, like if I get Xanax or anything prescribed to me, I never use it all. I always keep a couple in reserve because you just never know. So uh, that's uh, smart idea. I'll be loading up on Friday. Thank you, Heather. Uh, no problem. All right, there you go. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks so much. Okay. Your mouth useless. I replaced with jawbone of ass. All right, don't let it get in your head. <laughs> that sucks. Are you going back on Friday? Yes, I am. Oh, good luck right after that. the show. So right. I may or may not be back on Monday morning. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. I kill me. Hello. Hi. Hey. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm I'm happy to say Social Security is in the news for the one one day of the year that it makes the news. So I'm delighted. Can I ask you this? What are the uh, of the things that are within your Purview, purvey, whatever the things that are your realm of expertise. Let me ask you this: What are your uh, the the in your opinion overlooked or neglected issues or stories that cause you an inordinate amount of excitement when they actually appear in the news? Oh yeah, any of the Social Security, Medicare, national debt, deficit, all of those kind of Ross Perot type <laughs> geeky things. Uh huh. Also, disparity, I would say, is a big one. Sort of this, like the you know, poor getting poorer, rich getting richer, which has been right. happening for a long time, and and people have you know, and not to say I'm big liberal media, let's let's give everybody money, but it it, it really is something that now we're seeing spill over into crime statistics and everything else we've been ignoring for years. The problems of poverty that's increasing in this country. So they. I know, by the way, that uh, that you took flight from D.C. some time ago. But uh, I meant to ask you this: What about this? This is some this Supreme Court thing about having a gun in Washington D.C. Yes, w yes, it's it's illegal uh, by D.C. law to have a handgun in the nation's capital, which which made it interesting, of course, when uh, Virginia Senator Jim Webb had one in his briefcase. But uh, the the one of the citizens of, of D.C. is going to court, and this is now before the Supreme Court, saying that he that that's a, that's a, uh, against the Constitution, that it's unconstitutional for D.C. to mandate that law, and that that every citizen of the country has a right to bear arms. D.C. points to that specific language in the law, uh, which refers to militia, right. and and says no, it, it's intended so that there can be militia. And there's there's you know, lots of back and forth. Both sides in that case, it, it kind of admit 
that uh, you can't have it black or white. You can't say absolutely no handguns somewhere necessarily, and you also can't across the whole country, and neither can you say that there's no limits. So, but the question is, what limits can any jurisdiction impose, and is it fair for a crime-ridden city like D.C. has been in the past to impose this kind of limit? You do get the, the some of those. I do get the idea sometimes that uh, some of the NRA guys that yeah. they really just want you to be able to have a howitzer on your front lawn. <laughs> right. That really is the sort of end game for that group. So, <laughs> all right. Make the point apparently. Oh, right. And of course, I, I, as many of your listeners know, I have to any chance I can to talk about the fact that. Uh, D.C. has no representation in Congress. <laughs> of course. Of course, a favorite topic. It's, good, it's good that you stayed there to fight from the inside. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, all right. Uh, well, okay, so we've got a couple things happening today. So um, so I know that there's some – this is happening across the country, but I guess the most uh, – the place where it's going to matter most next – uh, is Pennsylvania, where there is just a huge number of people who are registering to vote. Uh, because I know in Texas, didn't they say in Texas it was, I forget the number, but it was massively above what turnout had typically been in the past. Yes. Oh, yeah, clear, clearly. And Texas is, is a case where uh, they had really not, their, their primaries had not mattered in the way that they did this year before. And you can go back a couple decades, but Pennsylvania is in a similar boat. And we just, they had their registration deadline yesterday for voter registration for the primary. The primary is April 22nd. And as if your listeners don't know, but it turns out that now Pennsylvania has 4 million registered Democrats. And that is actually, that's a record for any party in that state. And it means that if you do the math, Democrats now, registered Democrats are 49% of Pennsylvania's voters. Republicans, registered Republicans, 39%. So those are very good numbers right now for the fall for Democrats who deeply want and also need to win states like Pennsylvania that, that have split delegations that sort of go either way. They're swing states. Uh, the, uh, the question, though, is, are Republicans going to get their people in to register? There's really not a lot of reason for Republicans to register for this primary. So, of course, Democrats are going to see a big bump. But it was a huge bump, and it's good news for them in general. Uh, just leaping from one thing to a, a sort of tangential lily pad. Uh, so, obviously, there's still states uh, to go. But we, as it stands uh, now, where do we stand on the Democratic side with a split on the popular vote, if, if you know that? Yes, it's a 49%, I believe, Obama, 47%, Clinton. They're within two points of each other. It's either 49-47 or 40. I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's right, that it's 49-47. It just, it's, it's very, in, very close. It just, it's insane. I mean, it does, it, it almost doesn't seem possible that it could be this. Well, I remember watching that big, uh, the, yeah, exactly. I think in the, the pie chart for Texas uh, when the primary was, where it was 49-49 all night. I remember thinking, like, how is that even how does that even happen? It just—it really seems like some higher power uh, really has just decided that this is—you know—he's just decided to make our lives interesting. Uh, that was almost uh, set up by some—you uh, know—it it, just—it seems to defy all the odds that it would can still continue but, to be this relatively close. You know, I'm almost starting to develop a theory though that this may have to do with uh, sort of modern sociology in a way that that maybe we, as my my Russian teacher would say in Moscow. In America, too many choices. In Russia, one choice. You know, and it's almost as if as Americans now, we, we are used to second-guessing ourselves, and we're used to kind of going back and forth and, and not having to be decisive. And we've seen this in the last three election cycles, that that's a bonanza for politicians because an indecisive voter, they can sort of push around 
with spin, and I think the American public is really susceptible to that right now. Um, That's just my theory. I'm just starting to develop it, but I, I don't know that it's just the issues and the politicians of our time. I think it may also be... And you could also say it's overworked Americans, Americans that are tired of paying attention to politics. A lot of reasons that American voters uh, are having a harder time deciding as a group. And it might also be that this stasis might have been arrived at via the fact that Americans do seem to love an underdog. And, yes, that's true. And it does seem like every time the scales start to tip toward <laughs> yes. either uh, Obama or Hillary, yes. uh, people sort of like, well, I love that Hillary. She's scrappy. Uh, you know, and then, you know, when Hillary gets ahead, people go, I like that Obama. He's really, you know, he's an agent of change. <laughs> and but as a result, you know, it sort of tilts back and forth and back and forth like some sort of a triple beam scale until eventually you do arrive again at this at this the way everything is at a sort of equilibrium by dint of the fact that we have just that we somehow it, it, we, that we're really just getting like into our own navels here but uh <laughs> really as as a culture as a society we do crave uh that kind of stasis and we we just inexorably sort of lead ourselves toward uh, toward it even subconsciously yeah, I think I think that definitely could. Boy, be. we really sound like we are stoned political science students <laughs> in a dorm room right now. Uh, well, all right. Um, no, trying to think what else we got going on. XM Sirius. Have you guys been talking about that? No. Okay. <laughs> no, here's my here's my thing. I scheduled to talk about. <laughs> we we have, but only in the most dismissive of terms. And lest anybody think that's because I'm in so-called terrestrial radio, and that I that therefore I am some like legally obliged to be opposed to satellite radio. Um, it's just, I mean, I, I guess I care about it because it's out there and it's it's a technology. But in my opinion, and the opinion of many people, it is a transitional technology. Um, it is like it is the satellite radio is a bit like HD DVD. Um, you know, it, it's just not the massive upgrade that it was from VHS to DVD. It is an incremental upgrade, and it is a technology that will be replaced with something else, probably with some sort of internet-based radio distribution. It would make sense, right? I mean, there's a reason. I mean, XM can't make money, Sirius can't make money, so the only thing they can do is merge them together. Neither of them have really a sufficient subscriber base to have their own business model be successful. The most successful broadcaster of the last hundred years, which is Howard Stern, three quarters of his listeners abandoned him as a, as, as, rather than going to satellite. Mm -hmm. The satellites uh, have a finite lifespan. They cost $10 million each. Um, and the Internet is effectively free. Uh, so it's a transitional technology, and this is sort of a stopgap. But the, you know, the whole that's a house of cards that's going to implode sooner rather than later. And lest anybody think, again, that these are just sour grapes, I'm not saying terrestrial radio is going to be the only game in town. It will be replaced by something. Satellite radio is just not it, in my opinion. Man, I feel like I was just watching a high school debate champion. For the negative. Resolved. For the negative. All right, so then uh, how about this? And I know this wasn't on probably the version of the CNN radio update that you guys saw, but, you know, this um, Pentagon missile story. Have you all seen this? No. Did we, did we shoot down something exciting? No. Uh, the Pentagon uh, mistakenly sent uh, some fuses for nu long-range nuclear missiles to Taiwan. Wah, wah. <laughs> yes, uh, Taiwan actually had ordered helicopter batteries, but instead, uh, we sent them uh, essentially a big part of the ignition switch for uh, a long-range nuclear ballistic missile. Taiwan, of course, the political opponent of China, uh, not really China's favorite thing when we send them <laughs> any sort of yeah. weaponry, yeah. much less the parts for an intercontinental. Does that mean that really like a, like a case of uh, 
Does that mean like a case of toasters uh, then, you know, uh, like ended up in England or something? <laughs> I don't know. All right. You wonder. Well, the interesting thing is that apparently we sent this part last year, and it was just in the la- – like the Taiwan, ever since they got it, said this is not the right thing. You gave us this weapons kit part, and it's taken them since last yeah. year, uh, maybe longer than that, uh, to say, oh, 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 okay. Oh, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, final note before we go here. I want to open an Asian bar called Taiwan On. Taiwan on. Would that be A-H-N? Yes, 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 it would. Uh, all right, are you on tomorrow? Right. Say again? Are you on tomorrow? Yep, uh, yep. All right, fantabulous. As always, it is a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your day. We will uh, talk with you very soon. You as well. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Taiwan on. My sister and I wanted to start a karaoke um, coffee shop called Espresso Self. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, I didn't even tell you this. So, um... I sound like Job. I get the better thing. Um, so, uh, so when I was when I was in Vegas, we went to that uh, museum of atomic testing. Do you know yeah. what was right across the street? We we were gonna in go there. Out. No, oh, we went there our first night. I cannot then, wait to eat that. Here's the thing. So I heard, I kind of talked about this yesterday. We went to In and Out on Friday, and then because it's a family business, uh, they were closed on Easter, which sucks. So we went to Fat Burger, uh, where they were having an off day. Fries, good. Hamburger, not so good. Uh, but uh, we went to In-N-Out on Friday, and it was everything I remembered. Uh, but I have to say this. Uh, so we went to the Museum of Atomic Testing, and we were going to go to this thing across the street, and then we were like, no. Uh, but across the street was a play, a coffee shop literally called Sexpresso. Because hmm. I always use it as a catch-all, like, stupid like a goofy term for those. say espresso. Yeah, or for, you know, or for those like espresso huts where it's like some chicken big cans with a bikini. Like I always, you know, we call that sexpresso, but like as a gag, like, you know, like 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 a name that no one would really use. But there was a place called Sexpresso, so hmm. we didn't go there. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent, a man about town, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, I'm listening to you talk about those burger joints. We don't get all those, you know, really cool sounding ones here in New York. You get White Castle. Yeah. We don't. We get you know your typical ones: Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's, uh, Checkers is, is around a lot, but we don't get all those really cool ones that they have on the West Coast. Uh, well, you know the the thing about In and Out is the thing about the In and Out Burger is that that the family, the couple who owns it, they won't put one of those anywhere that they can't drive to. That's the thing. Really? Yeah. They uh, that is their deal. They uh, they're, they're in Southern California and uh, Vegas. And I think that might be it. Every time I say this, somebody calls up to correct me. But, I, but basically, it's California and, and Nevada. Pardon me. <clears throat> and that's because they won't put one anywhere that they can't drive there personally to inspect. Um, now, at some point, a lot of people have speculated that when the couple, when they pass away and it goes to their family, I am hoping that the family does not give in to the inevitable sort of whoring out that sometimes happens with those businesses, where suddenly it appears in every strip mall and every mall in America. Um but in and out is really fantastic. Uh, I usually, uh, despite my last experience, I'm usually a fan of Fat Burger. And, of course, in, in California, they also have Tommy's, which is legendarily good. Tommy's, uh, Tommy's Chili Dogs. Which yeah, we don't get any of that here. And, and uh, I, I recently gave up eating red meat and pork after reading the book uh, Fast Food Nation. But uh-huh. if, if we got some of those better hamburger joints in New York, I might have to go back on that. Let me tell you this. Fast Food Nation, fantastic book by Eric Schlosser. At the end, he actually devotes a whole chapter to In-N-Out Burger, though, which he singles out as a great place that you can eat without, he says, you can eat there without guilt, you can eat there without shame. Uh, he specifically, I was so happy to read that, too, because In-N-Out, because uh, uh, Fast Food Nation just makes you never want to eat anything ever again. Yeah. 
And at the end of Fast Food Nation, I was so happy to see that chapter where he singles out in and out for praise because they pay a fair wage. They offer benefits. They're a relatively green company. And, of course, the best thing about In-N-Out is, have you ever been to an In-N-Out burger? No. Oh, dude, it's so great. You Here's the, the quintessential In-N-Out experience is this. First of all, there's really, I think there's only four menu items, period. There is hamburger, cheeseburger, fries, a shake, and I think maybe I don't even think there are onion rings. I think that's I think that's it. I don't think there's anything but that on the menu. So it's very limited, but what they do they do well and you can stand there at the counter and the whole kitchen is, you know, it's tra- uh, uh, you know, you can see it's open so you can see the entire kitchen. The last time I went to In-N-Out, I said, "Yeah, I'll take a uh, you know, uh, you know, double double you know, cheeseburger with fries." The guy goes over to the sink, he takes out uh, you know, there's a big sink, a tub of uh, potatoes sitting there soaking in water. He takes a potato out. He puts it in the little, uh, you know, the little, the little apparatus with the handle. He pulls it down, ksh, dices it or whatever it is, you know, like uh, cuts it, takes it, dumps it into the uh, the fryer, cooks it, salts it, dumps it in the little packet for you. I mean, literally, you see it go from potato to French fry in about two minutes. See that I can go 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 for, it. and that that's kind of like my one exception is if I, if I know the meat is. Is like you know uh, free range grass fed you know all, all those things that make it okay you know not, not the mass uh, right. uh, assembly line way we raise beef these days if, if it's done you know the old fashioned way with no antibiotics and, and and all that then I'll make an exception and I'll eat it so it sounds like I can go to In and Out it is it's fantastic and and most importantly perhaps it tastes great it it is inexpensive and it tastes great and you can feel good about it so that ends the In and Out commercial uh, <laughs> let me. Uh, let me let me ask you this question about this Patterson guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, so 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 first we had the Spitzer guys. Yes, it is true that I spent eighty grand on horse. So he's gone. Then they bring in the Patterson guy, who like right out the gate says, "Well, yeah, my 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 wife and I have each had sex with nine dozen people." Uh, and so now today, and keep in mind, I'm not passing judgment. It's fine with me. I wish we had a mayor that was this interesting, uh, Governor. The now he's saying that he was a cocaine user at one point. I have the soundbite. He was on uh, our local all-news cable station in, the, in New York called New York One, and he was doing his first exclusive one-on-one sit-down and talking about everything and anything. And he's just laying all his cards on the table, and uh, the host just sort of nonchalantly said, uh, have you ever used any uh, illegal drugs? And he said, yes. You have? Yes. Marijuana? Yes. Cocaine? Yes. You have used cocaine, Governor? I'd say I was about 22 or 23. I tried it a couple of times, yes. <laughs> you could hear how shocked the, the host was. That, Good for him. That he was so candid about it. Excellent. But you know what? I, I mean, I hate to be stating the bleeding obvious, but I mean, don't you think it's, I mean, it's just time. It's just, you know, we're, I think we're ready for that. Well, uh, that's what he was saying. He's like, look, you know, uh, there are a lot of people at the same time who were trying a lot of things and a lot worse than, than I did. And, you know, and then they've moved on to very productive uh, uh, careers and then they, where they do a lot of great things for for the better uh, for the public and you know and uh, I tried these things and and that was then and this is now. And we were having this conversation the other day about girls gone wild and I noted that we were going to reach some point in about 20 years where like one out of every three American women uh, had somehow at some point in her life been captured nude or in some sexual act on camera like it was just. We were going to reach a point where millions of moms and housewives and grandmothers and teachers had that in their past somehow. Isn't and that already like that now? I, I feel like I, it is. I think we're getting that way, and I think it is true with drugs as well, where, I mean, it's like when Obama said, 
you know, look, I did cocaine as a younger man, and I, I wish I hadn't. It was a mistake, and I realized it was a mistake, and I stopped doing that. And you kind of hear that, and you go, you know, you really do give the guy points for honesty as opposed to certain other politicians who may or may not be occupying higher office right now who allegedly had serious cocaine problems and just wouldn't cop to it, you know? So uh, yeah, I, there are a lot of guys there. Uh, well, you were talking about uh, the Elliot Spitzer uh, incident mm -hmm. and, and the prostitutes, and, and uh, there, there's been no end to uh, the reaction and the comments from different people in so many different worlds here in New York. So New York Magazine has a, had a great article last week on it, and they quoted some really well-known, uh, um, like high-priced high call girl that they've that they've used in other articles before, who gets all these, you know super secretive clientele that you can never talk about. She said, well, you know, they're all doing it. If, 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 at least it was a Democrat. She said if it had been a Republican, it would have been a guy prostitute she was talking He was talking about. <laughs> of course. Uh, all right. Well, and then I guess that dovetails, and before we go here, that, that dovetails, dovetails with this, uh, this the mayor of Detroit, who's now on some, I, don't know, I can't even keep it straight, the unit scorecard or something now, because when, so he's, what is it, he, he was putting it to some city employee, on the taxpayer's dime, and then... His chief of staff. I mean, really, honestly. If you're the... And I've seen this guy. This is, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, Kwame Kilpatrick. Kwame Kilpatrick. A.K.A. the hip-hop mayor. I see. Is that a name he gave, him, gave himself? That's the name that he was given. You know, he's a really young guy, and he was going around uh, Detroit when he was running for mayor, and, you know, he really galvanized, uh, you know, people, uh, younger voters, and, and people who just... We're fed up with the way things have been going for decades in Detroit, and he sort of just got this name, the Hip Hop Mayor. If you're called the Hip Hop Mayor, and I've seen this guy, he's a good-looking guy. Uh, you know, you're in a position of authority, you got some money, you're a young guy. If you can't do better than to be plugging your chief of staff, really, you're misusing the position. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Really, honestly, if you can't find a better outlet than your chief of staff. Yeah. Well, yeah. just a few minutes ago, he and the former chief of staff pleaded not guilty to charges of perjury, uh, obstruction of justice and official misconduct. I don't know how he's going to fight these charges, considering that there are supposedly the uh, transcripts of 14,000 text messages between the two of them. Well, uh, you know, and again, if he would just, uh, whatever, if he would just not be doing something on the taxpayer's dime, I think that really is the larger issue for most people. I tell you this right now, uh, I know how America works. Here's what he has to do. He has to call a press conference, and he has to say this. He has to stand out on the steps of City Hall or, or whatever, and he has to say, I do plead guilty to sexiness in the first degree. <laughs> if he did that, you think I'm kidding. If he did that, America would be like, yeah, and we would give that. It wouldn't work for anybody after that, but he would totally get a Ron Burgundy pass on that. We would go like, well, okay. I'm just saying, if that happens, it was Rick Emerson's idea. You know, I will put that to him. I'll, I'll see if I can contact his people and, and, and see if we can get him to say that. You know, this was the first time, though, in a while that we didn't see a wife standing by his side during the press conference. Well, it's, uh, it, is, it, it does seem like we've had about three of these in about a month, though. So maybe she, uh, maybe she figured she was uh, in touch. She, she got a buy. She could sit this one out. 4,000 soldiers die in Iraq, and this is what I'm working on. <laughs> it is America, sir, for good and bad. Yeah. Uh, all right. Enjoy your day, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Steve Kastenbaum in New York City. Fantastic. Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Yes. Wonderful. All right. Uh, let's see here. So when we come back, we've got uh, some calls. So we've got Chris and Travis on the line. Uh, more calls and emails coming in about the stream, which launched today. And Tim Riley around the corner. Yeah.
That's so true. A dentist is not supposed to make you feel good. Truer words were never spoken. The only good part is when they take off the bib. <laughs> when they turn off the light. When that half a bounty paper towel that they put around your... Exactly. Oh, here's the other thing about my dentist. Speaking of putting the bounty paper towel with the alligator clip around your neck. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and of course they do this intentionally, I think. It really is some fiendish, like, torture thing. When the nurse comes in and she does whatever, and she, you know, she sits right on the chair. And then they just let you sit there for like 12 minutes. Where you're just sitting there going, looking, and all the time in the world to sit around and look at the dental implements. Things that could be jammed into sensitive parts of your mouth. Don't they have the remote control television where you are? No. Oh, jeez. No, Tim. No, nor does the stewardess come by and give me free cocktails. That is too bad. Nor do I have a DVD player in the back of the chair in front of me. We can't resent Tim for his success. Oh, I can. You guys all have the same insurance as I do. <laughs> it is called freedom of choice. <laughs> you, um, you choose wrongly. <laughs> America you and can make, freedom. You can make the same choices as I do. Anywho. These choices are not limited to me. They're available to the general public. <laughs> I do not have anything special that is not... I, do think, I, I think you do have a secret yellow pages that like Tim only where, you know, where it's like you go to a secret dentist where they massage you and wave you with palm fronds or something. My dentist hurts just as much as anybody else. <laughs> um, so, but I'm sitting there in the chair waiting for the dentist and I'm looking around and I look over to the left and there's, uh, you know, the, the big box, whatever, the, the rubber, the latex gloves. And then right below that, I don't know if it's a bad sign, right below the big box of uh, latex gloves mm. is a huge box of... Like saran wrap, but it's not like medical saran wrap. It literally is from like Fred Meyer, and it's like food wrap. Uh, you know, it's like Kroger food what wrap. What was that for? With a big picture on the front of a woman like wrapping a ham. And I'm like, well, what? what is that for? And I don't believe that's, I don't know that that's medical grade plastic in there. You know, if really the thing is to put, if it's for wrapping popcorn. So it wasn't even saran wrap, it was generic food wrap? It was. It was like for wrapping popcorn balls at Halloween or something. I don't really know that that uh, is an adequate uh, shield for any and all uh, medical needs. I'm feeling kind of bad about this dentist, actually. Here's Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Breaking news. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I was trying to find the uh, thing here. Hold on a second. Sarah, this might be a little loud. You might want to... Uh... Oh, there we go. That's fine. Breaking news. A chunk of Antarctic ice nine times the size of Manhattan has suddenly collapsed, putting an even larger glacier area at risk. Satellite images show the runaway piece of ice is 220 square miles. It snapped off of Western Antarctica... It is the size of Connecticut. Jesus. Tension Al Gore. So now all the cable TV goes off and everybody goes into the bunker. Global warming's a myth, Tim. The mainstream media is peddling a fiction. That is messed up. Once again, a chunk of the Antarctic, nine times the size of Manhattan, equal to the size of Connecticut, has suddenly collapsed in Antarctica. And now it's just sailing. sunk? Is it now? Is it just sailing around? I mean, is it floating or did it sink or? Do uh, let's see. It is. It is holding on by a narrow beam of thin ice. And, and scientists worry that two may collapse at any moment. Larger, more dramatic ice collapses have occurred in the past years, but this is the biggest one yet. Well, okay. So what does that mean? Like, we'll just drift around and then bump into another. Yeah. When does that become an iceberg? When it goes out floating, the polar bears are going to drown. Hmm. <laughs> 
This feel-good news brought to you by... Well, let's go back and talk about the dentist. <laughs> well, I mean, what can you do? I just sort of am... You know what it is? I, I long ago became zen with the fact that this world is on like a downhill slide, and there's really nothing we can do about it. So, no. you know... So I get those cavities of... filled. No. <laughs> really, I should just say, screw the dentist. I can just, you know, fill your cavities. Why? I'll be dead soon. So, uh, anyway, so there you go. So the size of Connecticut? Yeah. Jesus. Isn't that weird? Have you, did you watch that Planet Earth series that was on the BBC and is now on PBS? Part of it. Planet Earth. It is, I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but Planet Earth is an amazing show. But that whole uh, episode that dealt with the Antarctic is just... I mean, I know this stuff should go without saying, but it's just... When you see those huge, just vast, towering sculptures of ice... and it's On, like, that, Planet Earth? Yeah, and it's white and it's, like, blue ice sort of at the same time, where it's got that blue... It's just... It is staggering. Yeah. Uh, and you really, you really do realize how small we are as a species... I mean, really, just how monumentally insignificant we are. Uh, you know, the, the, the Earth is going to be here long after we're gone because uh, we, we just, uh, you know, we just don't stand a chance against that stuff. Jesus. All right, so there you go. So uh, watch out for the floating ice shelf the size of Connecticut. So it's floating around out there somewhere. It's looking for your boat. There could be a major break in the biggest crime mystery in Northwest history. Is this also breaking news? Well, kind of. Uh, we can credit this to, uh, I always credit people I steal from, and this is stolen from Coin of all places. Well done. Mm -hmm. uh, so Coin tells us the FBI in Seattle is beginning analysis on a long-buried parachute, the same type used by D.B. Cooper when he jumped from the Northwest Orient Airlines 727. Righteous. With a 25-pound bag of money containing $200,000 on Thanksgiving Eve 2001. The children of a Clark County contractor found this parachute buried in the field that their father had recently plowed for a road. The chute is white, and it's a dirty and deteriorated, as one might expect. Seattle agent Larry Carr will clean it up and search for a label which could match the chute to a companion reserve chute left behind by Cooper in the plane. Oh, how cool is that? So Kerr, who's now in charge of the Cooper case, said the parachute was found near the center of the original jump zone, identified by searchers in November 1971, between the towns of Ariel and Amboy, Washington. Well, that would almost certainly mean that he survived, if that's the shoe, because they would have found the remains right there. They would have found mm -hmm. the skeleton yep. right there. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm all that's a quiver with so excitement. Awesome. Oh, fantastic. Remember back in 1980, a family on a picnic found $5,800 of loot. On a Columbia River beach near the Coob, how it got there is another mystery. Some scientists believe the money bag traveled down the Washougal River, which is upstream from the beach, miles from where this parachute was recently found. The Clark County property owner said the plow, uh, the plow blade unearthed something. He didn't notice it at first, but later his children began playing there. And, of course, children being as mischievous as they are started yanking on it. They found some cloth sticking out of the earth. They pulled on it. More cloth came out. They kept pulling and pulling and pulling until the chute shroud lines appeared. So they notified the FBI in Seattle. Part of the chute remains buried in the field and will need to be dug up by heavy equipment. So cool. Well, mm -hmm. so, the, so the, I guess the skeleton, if it's there, could still be there. Right. Uh, presumably. Now, FBI forensic experts, uh, let's see, may be unable to extract some of the DNA, oh. if that's the case. Wow. Uh, now, they have happen. other evidence. Remember, they have Cooper's uh, clip-on tie and clasp. Oh, they also have, I think, a cigarette he left behind. Uh, I think he'd smoked a cigarette uh, and left it there. And, of course, because this is a weird thing when you think about it, actually, that 
you know, what was a perfect crime then uh, with Scientology? Scientology. Scientology. With Scientological. Yes, yes. That's correct, yes. Please continue. <laughs> with the power of Xenu, um, with, I was going to say science or technology, uh, with, uh, with technological advancements, what was a perfect crime, sort of the, you know, the, the, the sort of film is lifted off of it and it becomes less perfect because he left a cigarette behind on the plane because in 1972 he'd thought about DNA testing. He didn't, he wouldn't even heard of such a thing. DNA testing, what's that? So he didn't even, criminals of the past just left stuff behind willy-nilly that you would never abandon at a crime scene now uh, because you can identify things like the saliva on a cigarette butt even 35 years later. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. That is so cool. So there. Wonderful. So, uh, maybe it is. Let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, uh, you're, you're talking there, and you're telling me that as the guru of pop culture, you don't know about the secret menu at In-N-Out Burger? No, I know about the secret menu. Talked about it yesterday. Oh, okay. I, I missed it then yesterday. Can yeah, the, uh, and... I mean, I, I wasn't like a, an expert in it. Like, I knew the 4x4, four four, and then I it was Zinn, though, who told me about ordering it, the, the animal style, which is where they cook it animal in mustard style. and it's extra cheese. Yeah. I, I was just making sure, because he would have disappointed me if he didn't. Uh, <laughs> like I disappointed the dentist? Uh-oh. No disappointing the dentist, no. Yeah. All right. No, no, no. I'm I'm fully aware of that. Um, There's actually, I think there's a little hidden area on the In-N-Out Burger website you can go to, and it, it'll, it uh, you know, it'll sort of it'll list all the secrets. There's a small one there, but your best bet is just, like, Google search it. And yeah. Find all these sorts of fan-made ones, and I think there's actually some of them that are actually regional, too. Like, there's some that are only in Las Vegas. Really? Is that true? Yeah, Fantastic. I found that out when I was looking through the more detailed ones. Excellent. And uh, this is, by the way, this is what I love about this country, uh, that we could be spending our free time on all kinds of things, but instead we're Googling secret menus at a fast food drive-in. So that really is what makes us, that's what makes us better than the savages. So. It's not fast food, Rick. It's good food fast. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. All right. Have you seen this now that it's no longer, they don't call it fast food either. They call it, um, I think they call it quick serve, quick meals. There's an industry term that the industry is trying to get away from the term fast food because it was synonymous with like, oh, I'm so fat. And so uh, they, the industry doesn't want to call it fast food anyway. I think they want to call it quick service. I think that is the industry adopted generic term now for that. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, hi. Hi. Am I on? Yes, you are, sir. Sweet. Uh, I was under the impression that it wasn't that the owners couldn't drive to the Inout Burger. That's why they haven't put one, you know, out of the little area. Yeah, they won't put them anywhere that they can't drive to in a day. I was under the impression that it was all about shipping, that they don't freeze their food, so there's only so far you can go under refrigeration. Well, that's also possible. I guess I guess both variations could be true. But, yeah, they are only uh, within a, uh, a, certain, a certain regional area, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, a little useless fact for you. Uh, the closest In-N-Out Burger uh, that I've gone to that I know of is in Reading, and it is 802 miles round trip from my old house in Beaverton. Really? Uh, In-N-Out Burger. I could do that in a day. Oh, yeah. I, I would do it in like 16 hours. All right. Excellent. Of course, I go down there and think around a bit, and it's a good time. All right. I'll, I'll put it on my list of to-do. Sounds right. good. Thank you. All right. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's going on, you guys? What's up? Hey, I wanted to thank Tim Riley for making my year. How so, sir? Uh, for reporting on the uh, the uh, D.B. Cooper story, and his, it's most, most definitely now a fact that he did make it and he did survive, because why else would a parachute be buried in the middle of the, middle of the drop zone? I was actually thinking about that, too. I mean, what are the odds, first of all, 
Uh, if you're going to find, let's just pick any object. You know, if it's a, it's a parachute, it's a television, it's uh, you know, a, a, a hubcap for a 72 Pinto, whatever. Uh, the odds of something being in that drop, and I don't know how big the drop zone is, but I mean, let's say it's whatever, 30 square miles, something like that. Uh, right. The odds of any given object being in the middle of that are like a skillion to one. And as you said, if you add in, if you factor in the, oh, it's also a parachute. I mean, there is no other conceivable reason. Right. I mean, I, the, the parachute would be there. There's just no, especially in the middle of a freaking field. There's just no way. Yeah, right. I mean, it like doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to you know put put the pieces together. And uh, I mean, also, you know, considering that it, I mean, I'm just gonna say that it is his parachute because that's what I want to believe. Yes. <laughs> but um, you know, also. You know that that proves that he wasn't very severely injured from the jump because you know he he had the strength to you know bury the thing. Because even if you figure, I mean, not to be gross, but I mean, you figure even if he died and there's wild animals and whatever, they're not gonna take like they're not gonna drag the skeleton off. I mean, they're, they're not gonna either. bury a parachute. Yeah, and that's the other thing. And the animals aren't gonna go. Oh, you know, all right, now let's bury the parachute. I mean, yeah, it's just not gonna happen. So uh, he. Unless the skeleton is somehow buried deeper into the ground, like I suppose it's possible. Nah. That that is 30 years ago, so I suppose it's possible that if you're if you're falling fast enough, you just go like 15 feet into the ground or whatever. But unless they find a skeleton there, you would almost have to assume that he was able to at least get away some distance. Right. Uh, hey, and, and also, I want to say one quick thing to Sarah. I, I, had, I had kind of a weird uh, experience. Like, right, at, right as your show started, I listened on like a little portable radio, and I was delivering to one of my stores in a, uh, at a Safeway. And right as the show started, it was like. They they paged uh, Sarah Dillon phone call line one. Really weird. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's pretty like, weird. I, you know, it was kind of weird, like that 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 you know that part in the Goonies where Corey Feldman's like, you know, watching the uh, the police chase and then uh, turns off the TV and there's a police chase. Going yeah, on. it's or if it's like you want to paging Sarah Dillon is one of those codes like in the hospital when they page Doctor House because somebody's dead. <laughs> Uh, I want to paging Sarah Dillon means there's like an alcohol spill somewhere. Oh, ha, ha, ha. I'm just, I, it's the only thing I can come up with. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Bye. All right. At a safe way. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Well, so now we have an update on this uh, Western Antarctic ice chunk that collapsed. This, this piece of ice, a chunk of Western Antarctica, 160 square miles disintegrated. I mean, that, that's a huge chunk of ice. So it's uh, the size of, let's see, seven Manhattans. Not the drink, but the... <laughs> <laughs> and a sidecar. Yeah, and a sidecar. Uh, so... so 160 square miles, and uh, it just disintegrated. Now there's another chunk that may break off that's the size of Connecticut. So there are two chunks involved here. One already disappeared. Wait, are we going to all die today? Is that, I mean, really? This is kind of creepy. It is. That's why I like it. Two in one day. This could be it. This could be our last this hurrah. I'm going to max out on well, my credit card. This cards. is more of a, a correction. So, to make it a little bit clearer how big it is. So, it's 160 square miles. Disintegrated. Gone. It so snapped off Antarctica. But, I mean, when you is say... It disintegrated. Like, did it sink? Yeah. Or is it just floating? Oh, yeah. so it just sunk. And when you yeah, say... Turn it away, excuse Whatever. And when you say disintegrated, I wonder... So, that is the size of Connecticut or Manhattan? Uh, seven seven Manhattan. times... Seven Manhattans. Okay. So, it is the size of... Uh, seven times the, the size of Manhattan. <laughs> On, seems like there ought to be a, uh, a joke there. And then there's another chuck. That's hanging on by just a little piece that's the size of Connecticut. So when it disintegrates, is that into what size chunks? Little I tiny wonder. ice cubes, apparently. I mean, I wonder, though, if it's like, like if you have I something... I mean, just the pressure of it. 
snapping off and breaking. That's true, and that is one of those things where as, let's see if I can remember this, because as as height is squared, I think volume or weight or something is cubed. Basically, it means that the bigger something is, you know, the weight is exponential, which means it crushes itself under its own weight at some point. Mm-hmm. That's why people who are incredibly tall have terrible leg problems because you become too big for your own weight to support you, blah, 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 blah. So if this is that big yeah. and then it loses all its supporting structure, then it probably just sort of its own weight probably crushes it into small pieces. It says the collapse is similar to what happens to hardened glass when it is smashed with a hammer. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I can mm. see that. Okay. Jesus. So that's Antarctica. So we're all okay here for now. For now. For today. For today. Until the day after tomorrow. But we'll be streaming live regardless of what happens. <laughs> streaming live through the apocalypse. This is the Rick Evers of Jupiter. An Oregon man is five months pregnant. Thomas Beatty, who used to be a woman, appears in the most recent issue of The Advocate. He wrote the article and is including a picture of himself when he was uh, 22 weeks pregnant. According to a story, he went through a sex change but decided only to have uh, chest reconstruction and uh, some other therapies. He was able to keep the reproduction organs that he was born with. The article said he stopped getting the injections and was able to get pregnant. He Wait, lives in Bend. So I, I have a picture, right? So you have a picture of it? So it was a, yeah. woman, a woman who became a man? Yes. But kept speaking no, clinically used, now? No, no, he used to be a woman. Now he's a man. Right, but kept the vagina? Uh, apparently so, yes, because <laughs> he became so. pregnant. So Here's basically, so it was a woman who basically she had her bosoms removed. Yes. And maybe a little bit of facial reconstruction or yes. something. Mm-hmm. All right, do you have a photo? It's on Drudge. Oh, that's disturbing. It is disturbing. Sure. I don't know if he's attractive or not either. I can't tell. He was tell. attractive to somebody. <laughs> um, well, there is. So he described. Craigslist uh, is a big place. Some of the wow. challenges he and his wife have faced. They said doctors wouldn't treat them. The couple met 10 years ago. Well, wait, if, he, if he's married to a woman, well, they must have had maybe artificial insemination or, or something, or... I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> you, and, you and me both, and I'm him. Kind of that picture is so strange. But we do know strange. that he is pregnant. All right, I have to pull up the chair. Is this a drudge? I'm, he, I need to post that on my he, he used to be a woman. Okay. He, he used to be a woman. Born a woman, became a man, but only partially. In other right. words... He kept the reproduction, re- reproductive organs he was born So with. can we say this? It was a woman who... Then became a man from the waist up? Yes. Okay. But from above the, the waist. The above the waist, it's a man. Below the waist. Okay, that's a good it's way a to woman. put it. It's a woman. Okay, that's easy for everyone to understand, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and now... Think service unavailable whenever I click on I it. would go to uh, go to theadvocate.com. Okay. Yeah. Um, th- they'll probably have the story uh, there, and it won't be... Um, yeah, it won't be as crowded as the drudge thing, probably. Um, so, uh, 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 above the waist, a woman. Below the waist, a man. Right. No, 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 I'm sorry. Above the waist, a man. Service below the waist, available. Um, yeah, not going to get to the advocate, either. Our network might be uh, effed. Um, and then, but is married to a woman? Correct. He and his wife, Nancy, are expecting a little girl in July. Well, that girl's going to take a lot. There's going to be a lot of family talks. There's going to be a lot of... The situation sparks legal, political, and social unknowns. I guess that would be true. Well, yeah, because are, are well, because, you? Yeah, because if he's in a relationship with a woman, are you allowed to be? Then why he would he to, have the baby? Well, is he allowed to be legally married? Not in the state of Oregon. If you have a if you have a sex change, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then meet up with someone of the of a different gender, can you be married? In other words. So let's say I have a sex change. Okay, but he is. And not, you become a woman. And I become a woman. You're legally a woman. I'm legally. Does the state consider me a woman if I have a sex change? 
In other words, could I could I have a sex change and then marry another woman because I would because I was born a man genetically I chromosomically I am maybe a man. Maybe it's maybe it depends on what you're legally considered if you're legally considered a man or a woman like on your driver's license if you're like what if male, but, but what about this guy or this woman who only had so confusing this. I try to be. Well, I, I, she's only five months pregnant, so. and I, I do try to be very respectful in the sense of always using the gender that the person considers themselves to be. But it's very difficult because it's a man who still has a vagina. So it looks like a man. I mean, that's the picture. That isn't just some. He looks like AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys. That is exactly. <laughs> but with a vagina. No, I thought it looked like the dude from um, uh, Color Me Bad. Oh no, that's it. That, yeah, that's got it. Uh, so if one has a sex change operation. Does the state consider you to be the gender that you have changed to? Uh, we need a lawyer to call us now. Uh, and I'm not kidding. So yeah, I, I don't know. If you are a lawyer, uh, please be calling uh, to uh, 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 be clarifying some sex change uh, legal questions for us, please. That would be fantastic. All right. So the couple met 10 years ago, and, and his wife is not able to have children. Okay, so she is barren, and uh, he is half woman, well, half man. And half machine, uh, and they somehow got you know sperm from somewhere, and he's now pregnant. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all kinds of weird. Yeah, I'm really confused. I'm so you do you do wonder even in a progressive place like Oregon, uh, we are we have not quite stepped into the 21st century in some regards legally. So I wonder what the what the sort of legal status of the kid is going to be and 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 everything. That's fantastic. And we know this is a real thing. We know it's true. Yeah, it's true. Jesus. All right. Well, it's probably a, I mean, it's probably a snowball's chance in hell of getting uh, this, this person on for an interview at this point, but we should try. I mean, I really am fascinated by that. That is, it really is, it's pretty amazing. And, and I'm looking here at the front page of Yahoo, and it's not, it's not a headline here. you think this would be like the biggest headline in the history of the world. Uh, let's see. The advocate. I tried it. Really? So, so See, the not won't let us read that. No, I got it right here. Oh, you do? Oh, no, but this is bringing up... Unavailable. No, this is bringing up WBRZ, News 2 for Louisiana. That's not it. That's the... Is it the... Uh, no, it's it Advocate. Advocate, no, the... All right, ad... No. I will be very intrigued by the way CBS does not allow us to view the Advocate website. I don't think that they... Uh, I'm not... They won't let it. me view it either. That's in, That's interesting. It's corporate paternalism. Wait, so I can look at porn, but I can't look at the advocate? Right, because it's gay. <laughs> That's gay. <laughs> we've, determined, we've determined that websites deemed to be gay by CBS are not viewable. It's just sitting there. Well, now, see, to be fair, it hasn't said it's blocked. It's just uh, waiting right now. It, there could be a big crush there because of this uh, man-woman birth thing. Man-woman man, birth, woman, death, birth. infinity. All right, in the meantime... Aaron keeps sending me creepy Cloverfield... Um, Emails too about that ice about the iceberg breaking away. It's, it's That's totally the, uh, it. It's because of the satellite. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson uh, show, sir or madam or both, as the case may be. Hey, this is Steve, and I have uh, two tidbits and a suggestion. Okay. Okay, real quick. Roger Klein, April 26, Roseland. Yes, I'm all over that. Fantastic. Secondly, small little pains that hurt in, uh, inordinately. Yeah. A zit on your lip. Uh, it, I would say any sort of mouth injury, like if you bite the inside of your cheek too. Yes. Yep. All right. And last, I have a suggestion for your station thing, and I know the subject might be closed, but I want you to bear with me. Yeah. Okay. The, there's two things you have to touch on. First, you have to have, like, a wink and a nudge to the informed or the initiated. Okay. You also want to pique the interest of the uninitiated, right? Right. Okay. When you, when you say, 
Yeah, rocks. How do you spell rock? Well, how do I spell it or how do the kids spell it? How do the kids spell it? Uh, R-A-W-K-S. Okay. But I spell it K-U-F-O. <laughs> hey, uh, look at you. So, so, There's talk. a shiny quarter in you in, 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 in that for you. Talk 970. T-A-W-L-K. Okay, that's pretty funny. All right, and I, it, it's... Simple, straight to the point. I think it, I think people in the know would would get a giggle out of it. Although people, you know what I was just thinking is AM nine seventy information radio. Oh, see now that that's even more so. That's kind of good actually. Much as I was resisting that pun, information radio is great because it means all things to all people. Sounds like seventies. It's a Rorschach name though. Really, what it means depends on who you are. Yep. And um, and okay. So hey, I'm I'm, I'm going to double down here. Hello? Yes, hi. I'm going to double down. Do you need an opening band for your listener party tonight? Let's pretend for the sake of this phone call that I do. Uh-huh. How do I go about being that, op or being that opening band? Set, uh, what is the name of your band, sir? Five Times Fast. Five Times Fast. What sort of music do you play? It's kind of like the cult meets Leonard Cohen. No, I don't know. I, it, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, you know, it's like it's like the lyrical. We try to be as lyrical as like Paul Simon or Leonard Cohen, but we rock. We want. We also rock big like Oasis and, right. and the Cult and U2 and that sort of We're thing. We're kind of like Kill Switch Engage meets Yanni. Yeah. Um, I don't know how uh, better to say it. You send, know, just, send me an email, sir. Send me an email, Rick at Rick Emerson. Do you want me to send you a musical attachment to that? Uh, no, actually, don't because my email drops attachments. Send me a link though. Okay. All hey. Right. Have a great day, man. Thank you. Bye, Bye now. <laughs> so anyway, more about more uh, about this uh, pregnant man. And the uh, the advocate came over here. I got the sign up. Uh, so he he was artificially inseminated with a donor's sperm after the couple learned his wife Nancy could then have a baby. Uh, let's see. Ten years ago, when Nancy and I became a couple, the idea for us to have a child was more of a dream than a plan, and we wanted to have children. Uh, he was able to become pregnant after halting his testosterone injections, but the couple could not find a doctor to support them, so they eventually purchased anonymous donor vials from a sperm bank and resorted to home insemination. Home insemination. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm looking at the advocate. Did you find this on their side? or? No, okay. I found it on another one. Uh, the baby's due on July 3rd, 2008. So, what is his name? His name is Beatty. Ba uh, can you spell that, please? B E A. T-I-E. Thomas is his first name. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm at, this is a little disturbing. I'm at the Advocate site right now, uh, and so I'm, I'm here. This is a thing that uh, happens on the Internet sometimes, and less often in real life, usually it's when you see someone from the back. Uh, at a site like the Advocate, though, I suspect that maybe this happens uh, more often than at other sites. So, so I'm at the Advocate, and I was like, hey, who's that hot girl right here in the middle? The hot girl is, in fact, that Chris Crocker guy who does the Leave Britney Alone video. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really, it's like a tiny little thumbnail of, like, you just see sort of a feminine-looking face, lots of makeup, blonde hair. I'm like, hey, who's the chick? Well, now I question everything about myself. Uh, all right, so I'm searching Thomas uh, Beatty here. At uh, at advocate.com. Let's see. Well, it's uh, running really slowly. All right. Yeah, everything's moving. By on. the way, this is this is not uh, this is not the cue for now. Everybody to call up and sing me one of their band songs over the phone uh, for the listener party. Let's uh, let's let's stem that now. Let's do an Antarctica call. Then we'll take a break. We'll come back uh, with more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, I was gonna say, you know that uh, the ice falling off in Antarctica that happens every day. Yeah, but not the size of Connecticut. I wouldn't think. Well, usually not in that large of things, but you have to remember that ice is always rebuilding there, too. That's one of the reasons why it falls off. Now, keep in mind, I don't really uh, know anything about global warming, and let's further establish it. I don't care. But, no, I don't either. But, uh, but now, is it true? Uh, I see I'm just opening just the biggest thing here. 
I was about to say, is it true that global warming is... But, you know, just doing that, then it's just going to take us down a road I can't... So, you know what, we're going we're gonna to stop that right now, sir. So okay. let's pretend I didn't just say, is it true that global warming... Because that's, that's a road from which you can't come back. That's true. All right, but it is rebuilding. Yeah, it, it always rebuilds itself. It, it has to do with the amount of salt in the water and a bunch it's a whole there's a whole thing on the history channel on it so it's like the ice maker in your refrigerator it's exactly yeah, like that yeah. tim okay hey, right. and on that db cooper parachute yeah is uh is that area he jumped before mount st helens correct uh i don't know actually i don't have a map in front of me i know i mean i know that it was over a heavily forested area it was near the river but i don't exactly i don't know where it was in terms of of the actual region now Okay, but he jumped before Mount St. Helens. Oh, you mean time? Oh, I'm sorry. You mean uh, chronologically? Yeah, it was 72, and St. Helens was 80. Okay, well, the Washougal River had 10 feet of mud come through it. Yeah, but what is your it, meaning? What? Meaning that that whole area was covered in 10 feet of mud. Oh, that he could that his body could have been buried. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, be, that he mud. could be on the other end of that parachute. Fair enough. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It could because this parachute was deep underground. We were sort of wondering how that happened. Oh. And the theory yeah. was either A, did he hit the ground so hard that, you know, your body's heavy, 200 pounds, that, it, that, his, that he just went like 20 feet into the ground if the parachute failed? Did yeah, he bury the chute? But your theory is he might have gotten killed and then covered with mud. Yeah, because it's a you, bad way to yeah, go. That whole area was after Mount St. Helens blew up. Yeah. That whole area, I mean, if if you go up I five and you go past the Washougal River, those huge huge mounds of stuff is the stuff they took out of the river uh, bed area. Uh, it's all very thrilling. See, this is, I just want to like go there and demand that they do it. Like dig faster. Like I I want to know now. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you, and, sir. Yes. You bet. And isn't Thomas? Wouldn't he be considered a shim? Bye now. Bye. Okay. It's 37 after the hour already. <laughs> yes, it is, Tim. Here in the City of Roses. All right. Uh, I think it's too late to have the voice guy say AM 970, your information station. I'm getting those voice today, by the way. Like AM 970, hot Asian ladies. Main voice later this afternoon. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tim Riley returns next day. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Demi Moore says, I let leeches suck my blood. From uh, the Daily Mail. Using a photo of her that really looks to be at least 15 years old. They claim Was Richie just in here? Yes. God, do you smell that? That perfume or the cologne? Thankfully, I can't smell anything today. Wow. A lot? That is so much. A lot and the wrong kind? Yes. Jeez. <laughs> Very floral in here. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't smell like cologne. That smells like perfume. It's like you're in you're inside a you're inside a pistol. Uh, that's a, the flower kind. That joke didn't do very you're inside a stamen. Oh. Yeah. It's a botany joke. I don't know how those fly so well. Here's Tim Riley. Well, here I am. Uh, the cops say those who stole uh, things from that southern Oregon man's property after the Craigslist ad appeared saying, come on, take everything. People are starting to bring things back, uh, little by little. And apparently, officers are still contacting people who were seen leaving this man's home with his stuff. 
Now, if they return the items, no charges will be filed, but people who don't return them could face charges. So that's that. I do love the idea, though, that he's there, like, with the title to his home. Like, this is my, these are my things. They belong to me. Mm -hmm. And the idea that they just printed an ad up on Craigslist in their head sort of, like, trumps his actual legal ownership. Yeah. No, 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 it was on Craigslist. It's, uh, that's the law, I'm afraid. It's legal. <laughs> I can do it. So, I mean, it was like the fall of Baghdad over there. <laughs> it was just every man just tying ropes in around the, things. In the town of Jacksonville. <laughs> How often did they get an offer like that? I suppose it's true. Like one whole town. One whole town that's a big free box. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Got a comment about the uh, transgendered parent. Yes. This actually proves a very, very important point that it's possible to be born with the physiology of, woman, of a woman, but the, the mind and identity of a man. Because this was uh, this was a woman, but she decided to have the sex change operation. But the part of her mind was a man said, "Oh, I just I just can't throw that vagina away. I might need it for something someday." I can't throw that vagina away. <laughs> that is really that's true. It's just like the little uh, it's just like the little jar of, of bolts and screws in your garage that you're afraid to throw away because at some point you'll need them to assemble a loft somewhere. Exactly. So she's got the she's got the chromosomes of a woman, but the 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 cluttered garage of a guy. So to speak. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. That really is the phrase of the day. I can't throw this vagina away. I'll need it. I know a girl who was friends with um, one of my friends who wanted to become asexual. Yes. So she had her breasts removed because she just wanted to just not be any sex. So she picked an asexual name. Terry. Yeah. Let's just call her Terry. Yeah. And now you can't really tell if she's a, if she's a guy or a girl. That's interesting. I uh, Laura had a friend in Utah who uh, was born... With uh, both uh, sets of business, and the doctor came, and the doctor's like, "Well, uh, born with both sets, I uh, your choice." And I don't, I don't know that they actually flipped a coin, but I mean, at one point they had to choose. They're like, "Well, uh, let's make it a girl." Uh, and uh, like, as at about at twelve or thirteen, it became apparent that was the wrong choice. They had a fifty-fifty chance, and they uh, they chose poorly. Mm. Here's Tim Riley. Well, Dick Cheney uh, tells NBC that the 4,000 U.S. soldiers who perished in Iraq and Afghanistan did volunteer for duty. Uh, Cheney made the statement when pressed for comments on the effects of the increasing U.S. death toll in Iraq. He also claimed that the burden of the death toll is to be carried by President Bush. Uh, Mr. Cheney said the president carries the biggest burden, obviously. He's the one who made the decision to commit these young Americans. But the soldiers did volunteer to put the uniform on and to go in harm's way. That's what Mr. Cheney said. We are fortunate to have a, a um, group of uh, men and women, all volunteer force, who uh, voluntarily put on the uniform and go in harm's way for the rest of us. He's all class, that Dick Cheney. Do you realize that 95... That is the tackiest thing I've ever heard. Well, it's like, well, what are you going to do about me? I'm Dick Cheney. <laughs> that is true. I, uh, he can't, you know, he can't be stopped. There's, uh, there's, I think you could remove his heart. Uh, and his lungs and his brain, and he would just continue to exist on pure hate. Mm -hmm. um, I read something the other day. I don't know if this is true, but it seems like a thing that probably is true. They said that 95% of the uh, of the fatalities came after the Mission Accomplished banner was hung. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well done, President Bush. And there, there's an incredible uh, special on uh, PBS. It's night two of Bush's war on oh. Frontline tonight. You know, I you probably But they're going to repeat it. 
And it might be online too. Bush's War. All right, I'm frontline. Frontline. I am totally online. nine o'clock tonight. Part I'm two. Watch that tonight. It's, it's pretty incredible. You know, it isn't the same boring stuff like CNN put together, which right. was ugh. well because when, when and God loves CNN, but a lot of especially in the early days of the war, everything they put together was just such toady and crap. Well, it, it's like stuff for third graders. Yeah, and like, it's like kind of uh, highlights or, or uh, Scholastic Weekly or my Weekly Reader, whatever that thing is. And I told, and I understand how journalists want to be seen to be nonpartisan and they don't wish to be seen as taking sides. But especially in the early days of the Iraq War, it seems like they were so desperate to not look. Like they were taking sides that they effectively just took the side of the administration. Yeah. Even, even the unkindest kind of all, even Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward, who you you know, is sort of the gold standard for objective journalism. Uh, I got that that uh, right as the war started uh, for Christmas, Laura got me that book, um, Bush at War, mm. by Bob, which was just one big suck fest. It was just a whole lot of like, George Bush is the best president in the history of the world. <laughs> you know, and you're just sort of like reading, you're like, who is this? And I think he must have. I think he kind of pulled his head out at one point and sort of realized what he was writing. Because the next two books, which were Plan of Attack and State of Denial, uh, you know, were, I think were much more balanced. Mm-hmm. Not because they were hit pieces, just because they didn't, you know, it wasn't like he was just sitting there shining Bush's boots for 300 pages. A new Gallup poll suggests history will judge the Iraq War to be a failure. No. Uh, more than 2,000 Americans found uh, a poll found that 54% predict the world will be remembered as a flop. A similar number, 53%, agree with the assertion that, quote, the Bush administration deliberately misled the American public about whether Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. The poll also found that six in ten people now call the war a mistake. You know, the great thing about this is it does mean that someday when I am uh, installing myself as a grand irremovable dictator, I can make people think whatever I want. Because clearly Americans will just swallow whatever it is. No, 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 we have to go to war against Iraq because of al-Qaeda. All right, whatever you say. And now, uh, when the general consensus from the media is that the war is a failure, uh, the average uh, middle American moron just uh, yeah, the, the war is a failure. So, I mean, it does make me, it, it makes me feel good about the future, because people will just believe whatever we tell them. In order to lift the spirits of the Iraqi people, <laughs> Saddam-era torture tools are now to be seen in a mobile museum of terror. <laughs> Gruesome instruments of torture and the personal effects of the victims killed by Saddam Hussein are now on tour throughout the country. Bring it's, the kids. It's uh, currently in Baghdad. Students travel across the country in tribute to thousands of murder when Saddam was in power. Uh, let's see. Uh, nooses hang from ceilings, and a wooden coffin-like box contains a medieval-looking torture rack, like they've never seen anything like this before, in which your prisoners are pinned and stretched till they snap, apparently. Pictures of hangs and bodies are plastered all over the walls. These are the horrors of the Saddam regime. You've never seen anything like this before in our country. So it's uh, traveling the country. Doesn't it seem like it's a bit soon to be to be having a museum of Saddam's torture devices? That I don't really know that that's a that's a thing that's called for right now. I guess it's you know whatever. Every every culture has their Bonnie and Clyde death car, I suppose. Well, they, they have no Disneyland there. <laughs> Where are they supposed to go? Saddam land. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Some of the artifacts include a sock caked in soil, fragments of hair, and blood-stained clothes. Oh There's God. also an electrocution table. Does this include lunch? The naked prisoner was bound to the table with a steel bar strapped to his shoulder to ensure maximum immobility as his torturers electrocuted him and used the iron to inflict burns. Okay, by the, way, family fun in right. by the way, I want to know that my dental story was pretty tame, all things considered. Really, the idea of getting a dental cleaning, not so bad now. Well, maybe we could bring something like this to the next listener party. <laughs> I can get my deep cleaning on stage. <laughs> Videos of torture sessions are also screened 
in a basement room. Terrified prisoners are seen beaten, having their arms and legs broken, and thrown from rooftops and blown up with explosives. I think we need to go back. <laughs> Sarah just choked on her applesauce or whatever. The, I don't well, they're a hardened people. <laughs> I think we need to back. We need to back up to the beginning. I don't understand what. what Can you read the headline? Again? I don't even remember what we're ca- talking about now. Saddam era torture tools are now to be seen in a mobile museum of horror. So who would go to such a museum? Who is the target demographic? But how are they going to the demonstrate people, people being thrown off the balconies and being and exploding? Let's go see Uncle Ted being blown apart. No, no, they're beaten. Uh, they have their arms and legs broken, and they're thrown from rooftops and blown up with explosives. Yeah, get it right, Sarah. You got it in the wrong order there. Wait, so do they have people demonstrating this? Beating first, exploding second. Beating These... breaking bones, then exploding. The pain was atrocious. <laughs> Electric shots are delivered via electrodes and attached to the victim's sexual organs. The pain is atrocious. Okay, again, I was talking about a dental cleaning earlier. Well, this is part of this traveling uh, road show. <laughs> Right next to the reptile farm in the house of wax. Wait, so, so they're showing these things that were attached to people's private parts? Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> I guess that's just till the small world ride gets installed. Jeez. Jesus. It's a world of torture, a world of pain. It's... Here's Tim Riley. Uh, meanwhile... This could make for one odd family reunion. You see, Barack Obama is a distant cousin of Brad Pitt. And Hillary Rodham Clinton is related to Brad Pitt's girlfriend, Angelina Jolie. This is the latest, uh, apparently. Uh, Bill Clinton, who is French-Canadian on his mother's side, is also a distant cousin to Madonna, Celine Dion, and Alanis Morissette. Uh, Obama can call six U.S. presidents, including George W. Bush's cousins. McCain is the sixth cousin of First Lady Laura Bush. Obama has a presidential linkage to George W. Bush. George H.W. Bush, Gerald Ford, Lyndon Johnson. This story must be made up. Harry S. Truman and James Madison. I instinctively disbelieve this. Other Obama cousins include, as we know, Dick Cheney. Not only that, but Winston Churchill and General Lee. Well, is this like the... uh, But is this only in the sense that we're all uh, related to famous people? Like if you sort of extrapolate it out far enough? This from uh, researchers at the New England Historical Genealogical Society. I call call BS on this. I call shenanigans on this survey. This is like how in Utah, everybody you meet claims to be a descendant of Joseph Smith or Brigham Young. And in Britain, everybody you meet claims to be a royal somehow. No, no, no. I'm nine nine removed from the the king of whoever. So uh, Bill Clinton's distant cousins include Camilla Parker Bowes. Can you see the resemblance there? uh Uh-huh. So that's that. Well, okay. I'm related to nobody famous, by the way. Brad Pitt and Barack Obama are ninth cousins. I can see the resemblance. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's talk about Hillary Clinton because we haven't today so far. Uh, Hillary Clinton's dramatic description of her 1996 visit to Bosnia is contradicted by video footage. CBS News, our parent company, shows her casually walking from her plane and greeting a friendly girl. During a recent campaign event... Clinton said she remembers landing under much harsher conditions. I remember landing under sniper fire. There was supposed to be some kind of a greeting ceremony at the airport, but instead we just ran with our heads down to get into the vehicles. Oh, if only it were true. If only, if only. She lied? Yes, she did, Sarah. She, she now admits that she misspoke. I remember landing under sniper fire. There was supposed to be some kind of a greeting ceremony at the airport, but instead we just ran with our heads down to get into the vehicle. That's hilarious. Uh, to get to our base. Now, is that the original soundbite? 
That is supposed to be her clearing it up. Oh, wait a minute. Let me find another one here. This story changes by the moment. She is a typical white person. She is. No, three, two, five. Uh, Clinton. Uh, okay, let's see here. Clinton. I'm sort of disappointed, by the way, the Barack Obama thing hasn't really that hasn't caught fire the way I thought it would. I really thought this would be. This is like a. This is like. We need a, to keep playing it. We need to. <laughs> we need to play it once an hour. <laughs> this is like Clive Davis expressing uh, the puzzlement that, it, like, you know, the O Town single didn't go to number one. I really expected that this would be a power in the media. He is a typical white person. All right. So there was two segments to this. There was Hillary Clinton talking about going to Bosnia. Uh, really, where she made it sound like she was taking heavy shelling at Quezon, where she was you know, running along, really uh, like they were firing machine guns directly over her head as she ran from the chopper. And I think CBS News, there was a great little story. I saw, I saw the CBS News coverage of this last night. When the CBS, the CBS News person said, in that sort of snippy way that only anchor people really can, the only problem is that's not what happened. And then they, oh. and then they immediately got to the point of Hillary like, like getting off the plane and like stretching and like buffing her nails and sort of casually walking across the tarmac. There's like no gunshots of any kind anywhere. You know, I have written about this and described it in many different uh, settings, and I did misspeak uh, the other uh, day. You know, this has been a very long campaign. <laughs> so occasionally uh, I am a human being like everybody else. I'm just so evil. Uh, like as much as I would, I think it would be super rad to have a, a female president. Like she speaks, and I want to rip my ears off every time she speaks. An angel dies. Oh jeez, <laughs> that horrible voice and that laugh is even worse. There, every time she speaks, an angel has electrodes clamped to its sexual organs. They, they've had several years to work on that voice. They've done nothing. <laughs> Don't you think <laughs> that is true? Yeah, she could have had like a vocal I, coach that during that time. Number one priority. You're right. I never hear anything she says because of that yeah. word voice. Don't you think at this point that's actually a really good observation. Don't you think at this point they could have done a couple of things? A, well, first of all, do you suppose she go? Do you, do you think they've had that discussion either actively or sort of passively, where they have had a speech coach recruited to help her soften her delivery? I keep doing saying T, soften her delivery. They, if we're thinking of it, they have to have thought of it. Yeah. I mean, because every time we play her soundbite, she cringes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, or. Or they could have, or they could do the thing where if she really had the speech, like down pat, they could just have her mouthing the words on stage, and there could be somebody with a much better voice off stage, like like how during the Monkees concerts there was that guy off stage with a guitar doing all the playing. Uh, or C, I mean, really, we have the technology at this point. Uh, we have computer generated imagery, and uh, we have computer generated speeches. You know, like the OnStar voice or whatever. You really could just have created a different voice for her from scratch that was not so terribly off-putting. Oh, like from a Sonovox? <laughs> exactly. Or like a, well, good reference. Or like uh, or like on my GPS, uh, we took our GPS to Vegas, and there's like 70 different voices you can choose. We have Ken, the Australian guy, but you can choose, there's like Julie and Terry and Tom and Phil and Hank and Dave and Fred, and there's a woman who speaks Mandarin. Uh, you can And they all sound incredibly lifelike. Uh, like Ken, the, uh, the Australian guy. Who is the voice of our GPS? Sounds very pleasant. Hey, look, right turn ahead. Then you have reached your destination. And he's, it just sounds so unbelievably calm and authoritative. Is he, your friend, he really is. Now, Ken's gotten me out of many a jam. So they ought to be recruiting some technological firm right now to make a new voice for Hillary Clinton. Just like maybe she could wear a bunch of turtleneck sweaters and it could be like a thing she straps to her throat. How would, like how uh, the, uh, you know, I lost my voice to throat cancer, like that. <laughs> I don't think she'd be saying that on the stump. No, but that's, but that thing that guys hold up to their throat. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I had my voice box removed. 
oh, the things I'd do differently. That, But she would have a small one strapped there, and, like, she would open her mouth to say, like, I was taking mortar fire, or however, whatever it is she says. But instead, would go, so there we were in Bosnia. And it would just have, a like, a, like a lilting sort of tilt, tilt to it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Bill Clinton said Hillary will restore America's standing in the world. She wants to say, look, folks, here's a different message. America is back in the cooperation business. We're going to work with you whenever we can and act alone only when we have to, not the other way around. I sort of forgot about him. He's still around. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, did you know how at the end of that uh, explanation she said, occasionally I'm a human being like everyone else? Did she say that, really? Let me go back. Well, some, sometimes I'm a human being like everyone else. Well, I've okay. written about this and described it in many different uh, settings, and I did misspeak uh, the other uh, day. You know, this has been a very long campaign. <laughs> Occasionally, you know, I am a human being like everybody else. Oh, <laughs> well, good. We've got to get that out. Okay. Yeah, you've got to get well, that out. I've got a friend who, a stupid friend, who believes that reptiles and the great aliens and all this, well, he's got some evidence now. Okay, what is the name of that cut, Tim? That is Pitt, 0325Clinton1.wave. I love that intuitive numbering system they use. That's Pitt. Oh. Zero three two five Clinton one dot W A V. All right. Uh, okay, I've got it right here. Uh, they, uh, Clinton also... one or Clinton five? Clinton one. You know, I have written about this and described it in many different uh, settings, and I did miss the, <laughs> uh, the other uh, day. You know, this has been a very That's long a campaign. <laughs> so, <laughs> occasionally, you know, I am a human being like everybody else. Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Rick, you got an awesome show. I got about 28 drivers at my company who listen to you, so I got to give a quick shout out to Dirty Night Five. Thanks for the info, bro. Tim Riley rules. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, all right, uh, all right. Here we go. And Clinton won. All right, I'm pulling this and saving it. Uh, that is. I'm gonna just gonna excerpt out the part. Lest anybody think that we're just cheerleaders for Hillary Clinton or unnecessarily anti-McCain or Obama. Really, we just look for the best material, whoever it might be from. Oh, I saw a Ron Paul sign hanging in a window. Was it coming into work today? Was it was it tattered there, and there's not silent. one but two. There was one at the top, one at the very bottom. Was there? I mean, was it? Was he, it hasn't, he hasn't uh, withdrawn from the race. Was it an abandoned building of some kind? No, it's an apartment <laughs> building I saw on the map. That's just sad. It really is. You know what we saw in Vegas? Uh, we were uh, on this trip at one point, and we were doing a little bit of a U-turn, and we were behind uh, some sort of some sort of suburban mom mobile, and there was a Hillary Clinton bumper sticker. And my wife made the observation. She goes, "Is that a Hillary sticker?" And I said, "Yeah." She goes, you never see those, and I realize you don't really. You see Obama stickers. Even now, you see uh, W stickers. Uh, and you think those? In my neighborhood, it's just Obama everywhere. No, you think, and you think the W people would have gotten the memo by now. But you see Obama stickers everywhere. You How see a lot of Ron Paul's. Those, uh, those wimpy John Kerry stickers with a flag. Uh, just Kerry Edwards. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Help us on the way. But you don't really ever see Hillary Clinton stickers. No, you don't. You just that she doesn't seem to be a, a candidate that people are. It's like a joke that makes you laugh as opposed to a joke that makes you smile. She is a joke that makes you smile. You know, Obama people are very, like, in your face. And I don't mean that in a bad way. They're very passionate about the candidate. They're very, uh, you know, they're very into it and they're very open and, like, they'll, good bumper sticker. Yeah, they'll pull you aside in the street and they're like, Obama! Uh, Hillary people are just sort of like Hillary. They just, it's, it, but not even that enthusiastic. There is just sort of a, like, like even, even they don't want to get, like, too amped up about it. 
So, oh, remind me to tell you this great Obama idea I had. It is, yeah, I had the best idea. And by I, I mean my wife, had the best idea uh, that I will not take credit for. And it's, it's great. It's A, it's kind of, it's kind of amusing, just like on its face. And B, uh, it's a way, it's a sort of a radio goof as well. So I'm going to write that down. Okay. It's, uh, we'll talk about it here in just a few. Here's Tim Riley, the Minister. Well, after Mira fell some 12 floors and hit him on the head, 20-year-old Joshua Moran has left Boulder Community Hospital. They sewed up deep gashes on his head, and they're still watching for brain swelling. The man who allegedly threw the glass out of the residential hall, freshman Rolf Johnson, is free on $5,000 bond. Uh, apparently, the victim is, uh, well, lucky to be alive, and the man who threw it is... Lucky to face only assault and endangerment charges. I could see a heavy three-foot by one-foot sheet of glass falling from the sky, you know, causing all kinds of fatal injuries. Wait, so he threw a huge mirror out of a window? Uh, yes, he was upset about his girlfriend <laughs> and wanted to blow off some steam. Not a lot of thought went into the act before it happened because I think a lot of people look back and go, what was he thinking? You think? All right, well done. Uh, all right, Rick, they should be making a reality uh, show out of that transgender baby couple right now. After starting with the estrogen and switching to testosterone, only to get pregnant and be filled with massive amounts of estrogen all over again. TV gold. It really is a good reality. We, we ought to pitch that right now. Yes. Rick, uh, this is about uh, the D.B. Cooper find. Alleged. Uh, Rick, FYI, when a skydiver falls without deploying the parachute, the person typically bounces unless he falls into a tar pit or quicksand or an alligator pond. When the body first hits the ground, the person doesn't immediately die, but many bones are broken. The second and third, the second and third uh, time the body hits the ground, that's when your bones go puncturing your organs. That causes death pretty quickly. Best show ever, Rob. All right, thank you. So uh, I guess it all with D.B. Cooper, it is all about uh, whether he had deployed the chute or not. Because if he had deployed the chute, then it's conceivable he landed, buries the parachute, skedaddles. If he if he didn't uh, deploy the chute, then he hits the ground and either just goes like 20 feet into the ground, or hits the ground, uh, just dies on the uh, dies on impact, and then is covered by mud from the Washougal River. Oh, it's also I can't think about this too much. It's just way too exciting. Uh, let's see here. More observations about the uh, Hillary Clinton clip here in a moment. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, and then somebody's got to think about the legal status of the transgendered uh, mom. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, did I really just hear you say that Hillary Clinton should wear some kind of strap-on device? Yes. Well, in addition to the one she probably already uses, yes. Bada-bing! In addition to the Madonna Guy Ritchie one she probably already has. Best show ever. Thank you. All right. Uh, this is, Rick, about that Hillary clip, does she also say that it's the first mistake she's made in 12 years? Probably. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hello, hi. Uh, you have an observation about the legal status of the transgendered mum. Yeah, is this you? Yeah. Okay. Well, the question of the legal status is that uh, pretty much simple, simplified by the uh, the fact that after a year in um, the gender of choice clothing, yes, the, the uh, person is is allowed to go about and change the uh, driver's license, possibly the birth certificate. So it's all a matter of choice and state law. State law does the uh, the determination of whether or not you know how long it takes before the person can. Do. Well, so in Oregon, if you get uh, if you are living, so this was a woman who had the top half changed to look like a man, but not the bottom half. So if the person, if this person uh, Thomas uh, Beatty lives as a man, does the state consider him a man? 
when he chooses to go in and have that uh, legal status changed, it's it's solid. It doesn't matter. Surgically speaking, you know, in in at least Oregon and I know in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. There's no surgery required to alter your status, your gender status. Well, you just go in and say, like, I've decided I'm a woman. Well, it does require, you know, a, a lot of uh, therapy, and and they have, you know, there's a standard of care. You have to get a shrink to and sign that, off on it? Yeah, you've got to get your uh, shrink to sign off on it, and there's um, a, you spend a year as the gender of choice. You know, so I mean, this dude had to had to spend a year in drag before um, before any shrinks were going to, uh, Interesting. Going to help out with uh, with altering the legal status. Interesting. But you know, legally speaking, yeah, if you've still got, I mean, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is a woman, regardless of whatever. All right. Thank you. And by the way, yes. I get I get my information from Tim Riley. Oh, that's why I make so much money. All right. There you go. I think now we understand the means of support. That is fantastic. I'm completely uh, KCMD Portland. I am writing that down. I Get your information from Tim Riley. As many Americans do. <laughs> Tim Riley's the... Uh, the Since the death of Peter Jennings. The finest source of information. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So, since we do have so many drivers listening, I do want you drivers to know that Highway 221 near Salem is closed until 3.30 this afternoon. Due to an accident there. All right. Whoops! Some U.S. missiles were mistakenly sent to Taiwan, oh. raising some diplomatic eyebrows with China. Red China's in the communist state. At a Pentagon news conference, Air Force Secretary Michael Wynn said the incident is being fully investigated, and they're very, very sorry about it. The department will determine the facts and take appropriate corrective action regarding this regrettable incident. They'll be able to blow China off the map now. At Arlington County High School, an athletic coach is being recovered after being bitten by a juvenile rattlesnake that somehow wiggled its way into his luggage. The coach and his rowing team had just returned from a trip to South Carolina. Team member Jason White said it all happened in a flash. He said it just felt like an electric shock when he, when he got bit. Uh, team member Lucy Anderson said she opened up her own suitcase very carefully. Well, I just realized how lucky I was when I unpacked that nothing was in there. Wait, so he was bitten by what? A snake. Jesus. Uh, Andrew Backus is being treated with anti-venom serum. He's listed in stable condition. Fire officials killed the snake by freezing it with a dose of carbon dioxide fire extinguisher. So remember that for future reference. Uh, experts who looked at the frozen snake said it was a young canebrake rattler. It has a venomous uh, thing about it. It's, it. It mostly lives along rocky hillside fields, wooden ledges, and swamps. You know, that's like, the creepy things when you get off in the Nevada airport, uh, McAllen Airport or whatever it is, they, what greets you as you're coming down the escalator from the, the whatever the gates, they have two huge sculptures. One is of a giant snake that's about 40 feet long, and the other one is of a scorpion that's about five feet high and about 15 feet long. So that's the first thing you see when you come off the escalator. Giant snake on one side, giant scorpion on the other, looking right at you. Huh. So thanks a lot. That's fun. Uh, I'll hand you this Demi Moore, uh, Moore story, Tim. You can uh, read this here in a bit. All right. It's fantastic. All right. It's a medical story. I'll just put that right It is, and it is the news hour. It is. Oh, she's an attractive young lady. Yes, she is. Just a moment. Now she's attractive anyway. Uh, George Michael is making his way back to stages across America to promote his upcoming album, 25. He announced he's kicking off his North American tour, his first one in 17 years this summer. 
The trek includes 22 shows, and Michael's expected to perform songs spanning his entire career. His new CD is scheduled to release on April 1st and features duets with Paul McCartney and Mary J. Blige. The two-disc uh, DVD set and 40 videos of his career will also be available. He recently wrapped up a European tour, which uh, oh, gathered 1.3 million fans over the past year. The North American tour kicks off in San Diego June 17th and runs for seven weeks. And the closest he's going to be to here will be Seattle at the Key Arena July 2nd. That's July 2nd of this year? Yes. I might go see that. Yes. I might go see because I never then did. he's going to be in Vegas. On uh, June 21st. I might. Yeah, I never got to. I never sort of saw him back at the peak of his popularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even even Matt Peterson got to see George Michael on tour, and I didn't. So uh, the uh, he has now. You can tell entered sort of that Elton John phase of his life mm-hmm. uh, by doing. Uh, you, you can always tell when they have figured that sort of the the productive days are behind them when they actually start billing a tour as the greatest hits tour. I mean, really, that's that's the, I'm not going to play any scary new material. This will just be old, familiar songs. Come on down. Uh, and people will. And they will. Actually, you know what? Uh, Elton John, I, man, did I tell you, well, you know, I just missed Bette Midler in, uh, in, in Vegas. And everywhere I went, I saw people in shirts from the Bette Midler show. So it was like it was being rubbed in my face everywhere I went. I don't want to buy a Bette Midler. I don't even need to steer. I'm just going to buy a Bette Midler T-shirt. The Bette Midler shirt is really great. I don't know. It must relate to something in her act because it, it is a sequined mermaid sitting in a wheelchair like it's a handicap sign you know like in the in the parking space where it's the little stick person like it's the gimpy stick person in a chair but it it's the wheelchair and it's a stick mermaid but and then it's all done in like glitter and rhinestones like, it doesn't make any sense at all but it's from the Bette Midler show That's and I think awesome. it, was, it was Elton John was the guy and actually at one point we were walking by Cesar's palace and uh, we could hear Elton John singing in the Coliseum, which is right there. It was sort of wafting out over these, echoing down the street. It's actually pretty cool. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So let's talk about this uh, Demi Moore story, shall we? Good leeching. The aged actress has uh, proved she's prepared to go to great lengths in an effort to feel revitalized even by Hollywood standards. A 56-year-old, just a little bit younger than Madonna. 56? I'm sorry, 46-year-old. <laughs> okay. Let me correct that. And that you are 46 year old. And that means you also think Madonna is 60. I know, it's true. <laughs> she has revealed that she is a fan of detox treatment that involves being covered by blood sucking leeches. She is married to Ashton Kutcher, who's 30. She recently visited Austria to receive leech therapy. The best part is that Sarah's actually eating cranberry sauce as we, as we speak. While on a visit to New York to promote her upcoming motion picture, Flawless. The star tells David Letterman, I feel like I've always been uh, someone looking for the cutting edge of things and optimize your health and healing. I was in Austria doing a cleanse, and part of the treatment was leech therapy. Now, these aren't swamp leeches. We're talking about highly trained medical leeches. <laughs> from a, from a, I am a highly trained medical leech. From a leech circus. From Beverly Hills. <laughs> these are not low-level scavengers. We're talking about high-level bloodsuckers. Uh, leech, leeching has a long history. The Egyptians use it as a cure-all. She continues. They have a little enzyme, uh, and when they're biting down on you, it releases in your blood, and generally you bleed quite a bit, and your health is optimized. Sounds like some quack physician is telling me. It detoxifies your blood. I'm feeling very detoxified right now. I did it in some woman's house, lying on her table. <laughs> 
That sounds reputable. That's like that guy that's like a bowl of pretzels nearby. <laughs> that guy in the suburbs who was like doing, what is that guy who's doing like home collagen injections or something? Mm-hmm. And it was like he would just go into his garage and he has like just a big tank of goo and he would just jam it into your head. <laughs> All right, you're done. You go now. So it crawls inside of you and it feels when, oh, okay, it, you, what? <laughs> it crawls in and you feel it bite down on you and you want to go, Quote, you bastard, unquote. And, of course, in a foreign country, they won't know what she's saying. Then you relax and work on your LeMay's breathing just to kind of relax. You watch it swell up on your blood, watching it getting fatter and fatter. And then when it's super drunk on your blood, it kind of rolls over like it's stumbling out of a bar. How big are these things? And then Agent Smith chases you into the Matrix. Uh, Debbie said she had to prepare for the leeches by shaving and taking a bath in turpentine. (laughs) (laughs) You this is so great. You can sell celebrities anything. The, I, the You know what? The ability to separate... I, it must take so little effort to separate celebrities from their money. I mean, really, honestly. Well, she's convinced that therapy is effective and plans to return to Austria for more sessions. She said, uh, at first you feel worse before you feel better. <laughs> really? But, but I'm going back, though. <laughs> I only got four leeches and I feel a bit cheated, as anyone Jesus would. God. <laughs> Look, I need you to shave. And then this is a thing. I Really, this is like some Guantanamo thing. Like, if you were made to do this, you would file a complaint with the Amnesty International. They shaved me and covered me in turpentine and leeches. But, if you, but you know, if you make it in some woman's house in Austria and charge $9 jillion for it, and suddenly it's gold. Because <laughs> they're fancy medical leeches. Totally. You know what that is? That is, that is completely leveraging on... There's, you can, let me just say this. There is no better way to separate moronic Americans from their money than to market something as Eastern medicine. It doesn't matter what you speak with a foreign accent. Is that the it makes anything seem better. No, no, no. This isn't, this isn't like your fancy Western medicine with, you know, it's, science. It's not from Cincinnati. <laughs> exactly. It's from Bucharest. <laughs> yeah. If you, if, Bucharest. If you call something uh, Eastern medicine or homeopathic medicine... Something that really would be considered, you know, like torture in the rest of the world. Suddenly, you can get rich American white people to pay for it. What is this? Well, uh, what we do is uh, we jam uh, sharp splinters of wood into your eyeball, and then we cover you with fire ants. Now, this is an Eastern remedy that uh, now people of uh, have, of Asia have been using this for thousands of years. We in America don't. Uh, what with our fancy reliance on medication and uh, and science and study, we don't. We're not privy to this. And then people go, oh, "That sounds great. I can't wait." And then because they have paid so much money for this, and because it has felt uncomfortable and terrible, they then convince themselves, no, 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 it's great. I need more leeches next time. That is wonderful. Excellent. There you go. Covered in turpentine and leeches. Here's uh, Tim Riley. This season of America's Top Model is down another beauty. In the last episode, San Francisco native Marvita found herself to be the fourth girl eliminated the cycle. The 23-year-old retail salesperson says everything happens for a reason. I just thought about the brighter side of things, like it's just a blessing to actually be getting the chance and the opportunity to do the show. It's also a blessing to meet the people that I got to meet. So that is one thing that I'm just happy about. She sounds really happy. She sounds full of pep. I can't remember which one she is. I didn't watch last week. What's her name? Marvita. She uh, works in retail in San Francisco. Uh, Marvita says uh, modeling just isn't as glamorous as one might think. You model through rain, sleet, or snow. I did learn that, and it, it was very cold in New York on the runway show that we did in Times Square. I was, like, freezing. I was like, oh, my God. 
Yeah, she's just a ball of fire. <laughs> it's Who hard to believe, work with her? It's hard to believe they didn't keep her on the show. I suppose it might be more a little more glamorous when you're not, you know, losing. So, uh, all right, there's that. Crane collapses, becoming an American epidemic. Another one has collapsed, this time in Miami, and a whole bunch of people got hurt. So uh, mm. they're trying to figure out exactly what happened there. A man is charged with assault after police say he injured a 53-year-old woman at Barack Obama's town hall meeting in Medford. 30-year-old Benjamin White was booing Obama when he pushed Julie Hillard down. Hillard bruised her hip and went to the hospital. A witness caught the incident on tape and showed the footage to the police. The case against White is now in the hands of the Medford City Attorney. Attention all you Kuvites. Police in Vancouver have started scanning the streets for those on wheels with their heads uncovered. This is the first day of the new helmet law. The city fathers and mothers passed a new law last month on a five-to-one vote requiring helmets to be on everybody riding a bike anywhere in the city, including adults. The law also applies to skateboards, rollerblades, roller skates, unicycles, and scooters. How many unicycles? Unicycles. What about that bicycle with the huge front tire and the tiny little back wheel? Does it apply to those? It might. Fines for breaking the law will cost you fifty dollars. Hey, by the way, speaking of bicycles, this is in Washington. In Washington, Vancouver only. Now you can subject yourself to all kinds of death and head trauma here without uh, without any I sort of. I have my helmet here. I'm just saying, not talking to you. Oh, that was a little way, projecting. Oregon, no, because I didn't wear it today. Or, or, I wore it yesterday. Oregon law requires the use of helmets for anyone under the age of sixteen. So you're adult. Well, I am fifteen. You know who I'm opposed to? Here's who I've had enough of. I have enough of that guy who rides around uh, Portland on that bicycle that's like seventy feet high. Uh, Those guys scare me because I'm afraid there won't be a pole for them to hang on to, and they're just going to fall into traffic and oh, get run no, over. No, see, I pray for that. I hate that guy. Uh, and I think there's, mo- right there's more than one guy. There's uh, a ton of them. Those are the clown house dudes. Yeah, when uh, Daria and I first met, uh, Daria and I met at the Soapbox Derby a couple years ago, and we were up at Mount Tabor just kind of talking, and a couple guys went by. One was the guy who's like, on the 90-foot-high bicycle that, like, you know, he has to, like, get onto from the roof of his house. And the other one was one of those guys with, like, the, where it's, like, the huge front wheel, tiny little back wheel. And uh, so she and I bonded over our shared hatred of those guys because he's not going to be. Oh, I don't like them. I'm just afraid they're going to hurt themselves. Oh, but see, I just, I'm afraid they're going to hurt themselves, and I'm not going to be there to watch it. That's my thing. Like they're I want to. Terrible. Person. I want to be there so I can munt it, so I can. <laughs> it just seems so stupid. Well, then, no, because he's Sarah. He's not going to be bound by society's rules of how to bicycle. That's uh, the Philip Roth calls those guys urban attention seekers. That is the because he tries to be because he tries to be like it's no big thing, right? It's just, it's just a, a casual is, Sunday strip yeah, bike ride. He's, you know, he's the guy, what are you looking at? When clearly his whole point is to be the object of attention with, like, like how, how zanily he bicycles. So, you know, it's, yeah. I, I pray that a bus comes along at the right moment for that guy. This one says, Rick, speaking of uh, selling things to rich and famous people, did you see that story of how Lisa Marie Presley was seeing some, quote, doctor who pumped her full of industrial strength tractor lubricant from Argentina? Who is, Who is this? Has, has anybody seen this story? I have not. <laughs> he says it's on TMZ or somewhere. Uh, or it's on TMZ somewhere. He says, Lisa Marie Presley went to a doctor who pumped her full of industrial strength tractor lubricant from Argentina. Sarah, we have to find this story. Stat. Okay, my, my internet's just crashed. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's do a couple of these uh, calls here. Oh, i got to talk about this Obama thing still. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir, madam, as the case may be. Hi, hi, Rick. It's uh, Sir, a matter of fact. Yes. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Hey, listen, a week from tomorrow, I'm flying to Vegas for a long weekend. I have one night open. Is the El Cortez everything you've told me it's going to be? If so, I'm going to book my reservation there. Well, are you the spokesman for the hotel? <laughs> no, I should, I should totally be. Celebrity endorser, Rick Emerson. Oregon's number one entertainer. It's hey, true. Or, Endorsed by, yeah. Uh, Oregon's number one Can I tell you this? We'll have to split the Danny Gans billboards in half. 
<laughs> Can I? I'll just be on one of his teeth. Can I tell you that uh, several people last night, independent of one another, I got links from people like, check it out. And I would go to some guy's uh, blog, and it would be, congratulations to Oregon Entertainer of the Year, Rick Emerson. And it was like a big photo of me, like badly photoshopped into a billboard. So now I have a site for those if anybody demands to see it. Uh, when you say, I should totally be the paid endorser. Mm -hmm. Like when you go and it's like Betty White. Betty White loves the MGM Grands, you know, like lobster buffet. Uh, when you say you have one night, are you looking for a place to stay or a place to game? No, actually, I, I'm going to be there for the entire weekend, but all other nights are booked. And Where are you staying at the rest of the night? Uh, I'm staying at a condo somewhere off the Strip. But, well, you know, so I want to go downtown. I've never been downtown. So I guess my question is, one, does the El Cortez connect to that whole Fremont thing? Yeah, it's, it, it's at the, it is the, uh, when I say the end of Fremont, so I mean, if you consider Fremont Street to be that big row of casinos, it's like Binion's, Fitzgerald's. Four Queens, Golden Nugget. Uh, and the, the cover. The cover is what I'm the cover. About. It, it, it is about it's about a hundred feet past the cover. It, it is basically uh, it is the first thing you the first building you get to once you're done with the cover. Yeah, it's right outside that. Do um, they have attendants that will cover you between the uh, El Cortez <laughs> and that covered area? With a parasol? No. Uh, here's the thing: if you're looking for an experience, uh, you live in Portland. Yes, I do. Have you ever been to a place called My Father's Place? Uh, no, but I'm familiar. I've driven by it. I have you been? It. Have you ever been to Mary's Club? Oh yes. Okay. The El Cortez is to regular casinos as Mary's Club is to insert regular, you know, Middle American strip club. That's exactly what I'm looking for. It's, old Vegas experience. It is old. It's kind of grubby, kind of gnarly. Uh, it, it is. Here's a, here's a perfect example. There is, of course, smoking in all the casinos because you know it's the Sin City and so forth. But in most casinos, you're not really conscious of the smoke. You walk into a regular casino and even all the oxygen, right? Exactly. And even when people and they've got those huge filtration systems in the ceiling. So even in a regular smoking casino, you, you're not really conscious of it, to their credit. You, you sort of breathe in and out, and you don't really realize you're around smokers. You walk back into the El Cortez, and man, it's like walking into a cigarette. I mean, it's yeah, really yeah. like walking into an ashtray. The cocktail waitresses are all 85 years old. Yeah. Uh, be, like, whole sections of the carpet through which you can see the concrete. And yeah. our, our window didn't open in the hotel room, and the air conditioner was broken. Okay, okay, well, now then, would you suggest... Are you sold the... yet? <laughs> well, that's kind of the purest old Las Vegas experience yeah. I could have. Now, is Binion's uh, a step up from that? Yeah, everything is a step up from the El Cortez, by the way. <laughs> a shelter would be a step up. Um, Binion's is nice. I mean, look, here's the thing. On Old Vegas, on Fremont Street, they... When I say they're not nice, they're not. It's not like going to the MGM or the Luxor, yeah. where it's. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. it really is just a hotel and a huge room full of gambling, which is part of the charm. They strip away like all the Disneyland stuff yeah. that's on the Strip. It is all of that stuff is gone. It is. It is like. It, it is, you know, it is... Chopping off Mickey's ears. Exactly. It is removing all of the theme park aspects that have cropped up on Vegas over the last... Since they tried to make it a family city. Right, okay. Well, I'm going to be on the Strip area for the other portion yeah. of my trip. You should so spend at least a day it. in old Vegas. It's pretty okay, cool. Okay, great. Okay, yeah. great. Now, what... Is there, is there one event I, you, I know... I feel like mentioned. this is one of those Tanya Roberts travel infomercials where I'm like... Kenny Roberts, do you want to be treated like a high roller? You're, you're the Rick Steves of Vegas all of a sudden. Can I market myself as that? The Rick Steves of is Vegas. Is there something else downtown that I must see? Uh, downtown, well, there's the Fremont Street experience. I really do sound like that. There's I a, love the broken glass. The Fremont Street experience. <laughs> see the bullet casings. Uh, there is the Fremont Street experience, which is kind of interesting. It's where there's that whole cover, and they do a massive light right. show every right. on the hour between dusk and midnight. Yeah. There is... Um, <clears throat> 
there is, if you're into buffets, there is a great buffet at the Main Street Station, which is at the opposite end of Fremont Street from the El Cortez. Great, okay. There's a great champagne buffet they do there. Um, let's see, other things you must see while you're downtown. Downtown, this is an overused term, but really in terms of just seeing people, uh, Old Vegas is really great because you do see a different kind of person down there than, yeah. than you see on the Strip. Gotcha. Okay, thanks for your tips. Love the show. Thank Best you, show sir. ever today. Thank Bye-bye. you, my friend. Double down at 11. All right. Jesus. Let's do one more and we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, more from Tim Riley. So uh, you go to the El Cortez of dentistry. <laughs> that really is true. No, that's it. Your life is El Cortez. My right? life is one big El Can I just tell you this before we left? Uh, they no longer sell the El Cortez keychains. Uh, but we bought... Well, we will let down. I'll never go again. <laughs> It's off your itinerary. Uh-huh. They, um, we did want a souvenir, um, and so I bought an, a, you know, an El Cortez T-shirt. And it's like, I know this will shock you. It's the worst quality T-shirt I've ever bought. It makes this Obama thing look like like Louis Vuitton or whatever. It's it's like it's terrible. It's uh, it's like a bad thin uh, black T-shirt with what I do believe is like an iron on. Like like literally someone in the back uh, with an iron going. Like iron, and it's just a bit, it's like crooked. It's just a picture of the Ocotez. It's all slanted. So, uh, anyway, let's do one more. We'll take a break. Well, those behind the scenes at the Democratic National Committee say Hillary Clinton is pursuing the Tanya Harding option. Yeah. Just what is that? She'll have to break Barack's back, says the official behind the scenes who wished not to be named. <laughs> She'll have to destroy Obama, make Obama completely inaccessible. Her securing the nomination is certainly possible, but it'll require her exercising the Tanya Harding option. Fantastic. Isn't that what we Democrats really want? So, to make sure that he doesn't get the nomination, she'll have to take extra ruthless steps. But in the end, neither she nor Obama wins the gold. Uh, uh, from the Democratic National Committee. The, the thing that I've seen is, is uh, that, uh, that... I've seen a lot of speculation that her whole goal is she realizes she might not get the nomination this year. Bill Clinton will become her Jeff Galuli. <laughs> the, I think he's already her Jeff Galuli. Um, but uh, the, uh, I think the theory is that some people have floated that if she, she thinks she might not win this year, so her whole goal is just a sabotage, is just to cripple Barack's campaign so badly, just to torch him so badly that McCain gets elected. And then she comes back and wins in 2012, when she's still only going to be in her early 60s. But you know what? With Begala and Carvel behind the scenes, she's she's set to lose because everything these guys touch ends up losing. That's it. Well, the only thing they ever did. And, they, and why do they always bring these guys back who can't win elections? But you know what it is? It's because they engineered uh, Bill Clinton's win in '92, which really, when you that think was about a long it, time ago. it was a long time ago. And really, I mean. Running against Bush uh, in '92 was a lot like running against Bush in 2004. Like. You would have really had to screw that up to lose, as John Kerry did. But in 92, running against Bush the first, who had a massive unpopularity, you really, really would have had to work to, to lose to George Bush in 92, especially considering... And it, here's how unpopular George Bush was in 92, that Clinton still beat him with Perot taking 19% of the vote. Mm-hmm. 19% of the vote, and, and, and Clinton still beat Bush. That's how, that's how badly people hated the Bush administration in 92, which is what makes it, of course, even more staggering that Kerry lost in 2004. So, but uh, the thing about Hillary, we, it's... As we've said a few times, the number... I have now lost track of the number of times since January... That sort of heckling pundits go on and go. Well, she's finished. As of tomorrow, you're not going to have to worry about Hillary Clinton anymore. She's just like she's like a, she's like a like Annie Wilkes or a zombie or something. Uh, just, uh, there's no getting rid of her. 
So uh, no, she's up finding that metal rod to hit somebody in the kneecaps with. <laughs> she really is. Uh, she's sharpening right. it up as we speak. Let's take a uh, break here. We'll come back. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Oh, we'll talk more of Iraq uh, when we get back. Uh, what? The coffee's gone. We went through an entire pot of coffee. How's that possible? It's one thirty. Water. Water? Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Speaking of weird beverages, we just noticed during the break that there was no coffee. The only coffee was like old-ass coffee from yesterday afternoon. That's the sort of danger with, the, with this, this newfangled coffee technology with these thermoses. It used to be uh, that with a coffee pot, you'd make it, you'd turn it off, uh, you know, you'd drink it, and then if it, you know, if it was old, it would go cold like that, and you sort of knew. The problem now is coffee thermoses keep coffee hot long enough that you can't sometimes discern how long it's been there. Like, you can be fooled by it a little bit, where you, you, you know, you, you pour it into the cup, or you, like with this, you pump it into the cup, and you kind of, like, maybe you dip, dip your pinky in or something, like, what? Okay, that seems hot. And you drink it, and then it becomes very, once it's in your mouth, you realize, uh-oh, this has yeah. been here since yesterday. So you got to be very careful. I've had the greatest idea that nobody has ever used. It's a thing that I don't have the... Uh, I don't have the wherewithal to do it. You know what they ought to make? Because I think a lot of businesses are like ours, where it's a, a coffee station, but then it goes into thermoses. It goes into big pump thermoses that are go, then taken throughout the building. Those thermoses ought to have on them a little dial that you can turn, a thumb dial, where you can show what time the coffee was made. You know what I mean? So like a, you know, it's like a little, a little wheel, a little number wheel you can turn. So when you make the coffee, you then... Turn the wheel 8 a.m. That way you can come and you look at it, you know, if it's like 4 in the afternoon. You should invent it. Rick you look right and go, oh, that was made at 8 a.m. i got to make fresh coffee. That way nobody has to suffer by testing it. You know, and you realize it's been fermenting all day. Speaking of fermenting, uh, so when, uh, I don't even remember when she said this to me. I think it might have been on Monday or something. Uh, I, was, I was going home. My wife called me. She was like, hey, when you get home, look out for that tea that's fermenting on top of the television, which is, like, not a phrase you hear all that often. And I said... What was she mean? making that co-co-box, Okay, see, what, how do you know what that... Because my hippie roommates, Manuel and Ben, used yeah. to make that stinky, yeah. disgusting well, tea. Welcome to my hell. They made it all the time, and they'd drink it, and they kept trying to get me to drink it, and they, it smelled like vinegar and rotting. And hate. It was so gross. So, and they would wait for the big, like, piece of mold to grow on the top of that's it. That's what I'm saying. And see, here's the thing. When I was saying earlier... Let's just dispense with code. When I was saying earlier that you can separate uh, you can separate white people from their money by saying no 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 this is you know none of the kombucha yeah. that's what it's called yeah no 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 you know uh, you know Eastern doctors have been doing this for a long time it's just that we in America haven't learned it's a it really is a it's a it's a remedy that they've known about for centuries my wife really and it doesn't help that eighty percent of her friends are goddamn stinking hippies no offense. Uh, and so, uh, and so, you know, I'll go home. What it is? It's an ear candle and some kombucha. You know, I'm like, whatever. So, yeah, she's like, look out for the tea that's fermenting on top of the television. And I didn't know what it was. Apparently, you had hippie roommates, so you knew. So it's she's called kombucha, and I swear, I didn't know what it was. And I said, well, what is it? Because what's well, a tea? And I said, I don't, you know, well, what is the, uh, you know, what is the nature of the TV? And she's describing the whole thing about, uh, you know, how you make it, and then. I guess it's like a known thing that it ferments on top of televisions. Um, but I said... No, they left ours in the kitchen and big well, that jars. goes back for centuries. I asked her I asked, <laughs> I asked her what it was. I said, so describe the tea. And I swear to you, she actually said, she said, no, no, no. 
It's an ancient Chinese secret. <laughs> <laughs> that actually the phrase she used. I was so great, I wrote it down. Rick, don't drink it. And that, no. Are you kidding? No. It is I'm the grossest tasting thing ever. It's like, oh, it cleanses your body. I'm like, I don't give a crap. No, you know what? The, the, the past sucks. Uh, the present is better. The future is going to be uh, even better. I don't drink things from the past. I don't trust. I don't trust technology from the past. I don't trust beverages from the past. I don't trust hygiene standards from the past. I don't trust beverages from the past. No, but I'm you're saying, drinking coffee. I mean, you know what I'm saying, though. I don't drink coffee the way they made it 500 years ago. In 500 years ago, they just put it in a pot and mashed it up, and you drank it. No, no, no. You know, we've advanced. Didn't we didn't drink coffee 500 years ago. We've had. They did. I have a whole thing about coffee. Or, you know, here's here's another thing. You know, um, I've told this story before, but in this book, Starbucked, he talked about how there was a Harvard study in early 20th century. Uh, for whatever reason, they just they wanted to know how to make the perfect cup of coffee. And the guy spent literally like a year and a half in a laboratory. And he came up with the method that is still generally used today, where it's like you grind it to a certain whatever. You, it's water at 185 degrees. You force it through. It sits for three minutes. Done. That is considered, even now, the gold standard by gourmet coffee place. How to do it. And yet, for most of the 20th century, they didn't do that at all. What did they do? They took, like, mashed up, like, Folgers in a can, and they would just percolate it and let it boil all day. So, I mean, it really was only with the advent of Starbucks that they went back to this perfection method of making coffee, which they did learn in, like, 1929. But I, but this idea that somehow, no, 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 it, you know, the people who were doing this 700 years ago, they really had an, an it edge. It just seemed so unhygienic. And, and, like, they just had these giant jars. Ours was in the kitchen above the stove on this big wooden plank, and they each had their big jar of it and waiting for their big, like, mold patty thing to grow on top. Yep. I will say this now. I trust chemicals and corporations. That really is a, that's in whom I put my trust. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Photo show that a shot fired by a U.S. Airways pilot pistol blasted a small hole through the cockpit wall of a plane that landed in North Carolina. It shows a small entry hole in the lower side of the cockpit wall and a small exit hole in the exterior of the cockpit window. However, nobody was in any danger aboard during this period of time. Of the 28,000 commercial airplane flights that take to the skies on an average day in the U.S., fewer than 1% are protected by onboard armed federal air marshals. Remember them? Uh, one pilot who crisscrosses the country uh, says he hasn't seen an air marshal in one of his flights in some six months. At one time, they were supposed to hire a whole bunch of them. Then they just gave up. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. An airline pilot uh, took his passengers on a 1,200-mile detour after refusing to land at a new airport in India because he never heard of it. With 233 passengers aboard the flight, the KLM pilot first diverted the flight to Hunderblad from uh, Amsterdam. Hunderblad? Hunderblad. I don't want to land in a place called Hunderblad. And, uh, Hunderblad is Hunderbad. Apparently, so. it's uh, north, north of New Delhi. But after he was denied permission to land in New Delhi, he flew on to Mumbai and eventually landed two hours late. He said he knew nothing about the new airport. Therefore, he, well, he didn't want to land there. May the public be damned. A federal appeals court has rejected a new law requiring airlines to provide food, water, and clean toilets and fresh air to passengers trapped in a plane, a plane delayed on the ground. This happened at... After that JetBlue fiasco a few months ago, remember that? Wait, so they're not going to require you to take care of people who you are keeping incarcerated in a plane? No. 
Because oh. why would you want to? Why would they need to go to the bathroom or drink water? Because you're taking away their liberty to do so. Jesus. Whatever. Oh, by, I had the greatest idea. As I was standing delirious in the Vegas airport, uh, and you know, just doing that anticipatory thing of like already hating them for making me take off my shoes and I take off my belt mm-hmm. and whatever, I had the best idea. There ought to be uh, a flight you can go on where you pay 50 bucks extra, uh, and the deal is uh, you, you, there's just no security. That's it. They just don't screen. I mean, you walk through the x-ray machine, but that's it. Like, you don't have to take anything off. They don't rummage through your crap. And everybody, you sign a waiver. Like, I am paying an additional $50 in exchange for which you will not search me. I don't have to take anything off. And if I get blown up in the sky, that's fine. It's just the way it is. You know what? Because if you had a plane, 200 people paying 50 bucks each, uh, that's, I mean, however much that is. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a real that's lot 20, of money. I, I think it's 20 grand. I think 50 bucks times 200 is 20 grand um, or whatever. It's a, it's a big pile of money. But I mean, really, the, where you just—it's a—you pay extra and you voluntarily waive the security, and you just ex- and you you cede all rights and, and you cede any uh, sort of lawsuit. Like if you get blown up in the sky, your family can't sue. But that's what I would absolutely pay that. If you went to the airport, they said, "Look, uh, here's the regular flight uh, where we're going to search your colon before you can get on. Uh, here's the other flight, fifty bucks more, but they don't search you." I would absolutely be on that second flight. No question about it. And I think there's a lot of people who'd be with me. That's one of the many innovations that I've come up with that nobody's instituting. I hate my computer today. I had all those YouTube videos, and it just crashed for the third time. I'm sorry. You know what else I hate? Very frustrating. At LAX, they make you pay for Wi-Fi. Really? You have to pay T-Mobile 9 bucks to use the Wi-Fi at LAX, and it's free here with PDX. So if there's any way that anyone knows how, how I can break the system at LAX the next time I go there, let me know. We you should have to pay 9 bucks for Wi-Fi, but it's free here. We should totally do an ongoing series of things called Sticking It to the Man. Well, somebody needs to stick it to LAX, because they charge you 9 bucks to use this right. T-Mobile that Wi-Fi. That is crappy. No, no, no. It is crappy. Uh, no. They don't tell you before you get in there. No, this is, this is a great, this is a great idea. <laughs> it just happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Say that again. You hate what? LAX. Say, but say the full... The full sentence. I can't remember what the full sentence You said was. you hated somebody. At T-Mobile. At LAX. Never mind. I, I sort of stepped on you saying, I hate uh, LAX. I just, I, well, so I rarely do you just say flat out that you hate things. I just cherish those. Well, ones. they don't want you ahead of time. And they tell you to get there two hours early and make you sit there. And they don't tell you before you sit down that they're charging for this T-Mobile Wi-Fi. This is completely... Wi-Fi is free at PDX. Why isn't it free the rest of the country? We are completely going to start doing... All the more reason why PDX is the best airport in the country. It really is. How much do you appreciate PDX when you go to other airports? I sit in there regardless of taking a flight or not. You just go there to hang out. Absolutely. Um, free Wi-Fi. I love PDX. Uh, So we're going to start a new segment of the Rick Emerson Show called Sticking It to Whitey. Yeah. Uh, And uh, so the first thing is, how can Tim get free Wi-Fi... At LAX. ...at an airport that wishes to charge for it? By T-Mobile. Now, so who, now, uh, thieves. <laughs> Are they an advertiser? Probably. They just signed an annual T-Mobile? <laughs> they're not really thieves. No, they're not. It's in the good way. Yes. They don't they're they're capitalists. <laughs> Anywho, um, all right, so uh, somebody will probably call about that. We've also got the top five, and we've also got Jim Roop, and I got this great Barack Obama idea. What should we do? They're all good ideas. Okay, I don't well, let's talk. Okay, I have this great Barack Obama idea, and this is my wife's, actually, but I sort of then put a spin on it. I have the best idea, and uh, science and technology have made this easier to do than it would have been a few years ago. Because here's the thing about parody songs. Parody songs 
used to be hard to do because the question was, where would you get the instrumental bed from? Uh, you know, and that's why for the longest time, DJs or musicians, guys with studios, had a stranglehold on the parody feel. That's why you would get the same nine guys doing all the parody songs for all radio stations. Because it was like, what you know, like if you wanted to do a parody of whatever, uh, you know, if you wanted to do a parody of uh, uh, insert song here, you know, Friends in Low Places, uh, you know, you had to be able to find a studio and somehow get an instrumental version of Friends in Low Places recorded just so you could revert, record your stupid radio parody of it and then send it to other stupid DJs. Uh, but now, with A, the rise of karaoke in America, and B, the Internet and, and uh, musical you know, distri- music distribution on the net, anybody now basically has access to an instrumental bed of any popular song. So parody songs are a lot easier to do so that anybody can crank this out. So that's one thought. The second thought is radio is largely filled with morons. Uh, and uh, I would say 90% of the DJs are bad and 90% of their radio stations are terrible. That's the second thing. Third thing, what do the kids love these days? Barack Obama. So I merged all of these things together in my head because, boy, goddamn Vegas radio is bad. I mean, you go to Vegas, it's sort of a happening city. It's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a town full, you know, it's full of, full, you know, it's a, it's a snazzy town. But it's just the same crap. You just turn it on, and it's, you know, you're in another 35-minute power play. And you're just kind of going, where am I? <laughs> like, when, do, it, what size city do I have to go to for radio to get better? And the answer is none of it ever gets. It's all bad. Um, so I have this great idea. We were talking about doing a little goof on the media while back by faking, like, a, a Sarah Dillon TMZ video or something where she's like, you know, where's, what were you talking about? Faking a girl's no, wild yeah, thing or something? That, yeah, but I have, but so my idea is this. I want to crank out, and I have a track, I have a karaoke track for this. Crank out a terrible parody song for Barack Obama's campaign, and then just see if we can get it played somewhere. And this is where it all comes together. You know what the song? You know, you know the song we parody. Let me see here if I can. I've got it right. I've got it queued up. So we'll crank this out, and we'll see if we can get an idiot DJ to play it. This is the song we're going to parody. Sarah, do you know the song? Yeah, that's the Pina Colada song. Okay, just let it roll. It's not saying anything. I've already got some sample verses put down. Are you going to sing right now? No, no, no. I'm going to wait for the chorus here. I've got some sample verses written. I got a karaoke track of this at home. All I need is like a male and female singer. Record it, put it out there, see if we can get some jackhole morning show to play it. Really? Sure. Total, and, then, and then we'll see if we can get like Larry and Terry in the morning. Because after you really impassioned, like oh, you no, really no, believe. We're playing it straight. We are playing it straight. I'm I'm all for it. Let's do it. If you like Barack Obama, I won't sing it on the radio, but I will. Na, 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 na. Okay, so this is so here's what I've got so far, and Lara came up with some of these. I've got the if you like Barack Obama uh, versus more of the same. I am not into Clinton. I am not for McCain. That's good. And then there's something else. Da 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 da. Something something lane. Da da. They come with me. Be an agent of change. I know this um, one band, the Wonderstrucks. I bet that they might be able to put this on their site, and we could promote it that way. How great would that be? And be an agent of change. Oh, it's awful. That's genius. And you know that like moronic radio stations, Air America, would probably play that. Mm-hmm. So if anybody hears that out there, we did this, and our whole goal is to see if we can get some idiot DJ to play it. So we need to come up with other lyrics for this. And the good thing is, 
Unlike the aborted Portland anthem, which just became too big, and it was like, how are we going to record it? I got the karaoke track, and I got a studio right next door. Okay. Oh. So everybody be thinking about that. We'll revisit it later. Oh, that's in the hour. fun. Yeah. If you like Barack Obama, and then I need something that rhymes with ain or change or whatever. Na 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 na. Aim. I'm not for the Clintons. I am not for McCain. It's just gold. Yes. Oh, I like yeah. that. And That's then good. you and then you ba 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 versus more of the same. Ba 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 ba. Be an agent of change. It's genius. It is. You do one verse, chorus, uh, maybe another half verse, chorus, done. Make the whole thing like two minutes. <laughs> so there you go. So be thinking about that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. An actor on the wire is stabbed in the buttocks. Christopher Clanton was trying to get out of the way of these uh, brawlers. He is an actor Brawler. on the uh, Baltimore-based uh, HBO series The Wire. He was stabbed in the buttocks and the chest in an early morning melee about uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. Some 30 people were in on spike. Apparently, this uh, happened in England somewhere. Mayhem broke out. He was trying to push past the fight of two other men, and they started fighting, and somebody else assaulted him by stabbing him in the buttocks. Uh, he played Salvino Bratton, a recurring character in The Wire, who appeared in nine episodes in the first and fifth season. He was also an extra on the cover of 2000 HBO miniseries about a Baltimore family struggle with inner-city drug culture. He'll be okay. He's just been stabbed in the buttocks. <laughs> Parents in England are married about an ongoing game encouraging young girls to buy their virtual characters breast surgery and Woo! feed them diet pills. <laughs> That's gold. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, this game, known as Miss Bimbo, attracts about 1.2 million members since it was introduced in France. It's got about 200,000 participants since it was promoted in Britain. It's targeted at gals 9 to 16 years old. The object of the game is to create the coolest, richest, and most famous bimbo in the world. The kids uh, <laughs> play to earn bimbo dollars to buy plastic surgery, diet pills, lingerie, and nightclub outfits. Fantastic. It's under fire from parents uh, and, and people with eating disorders. I love this country. The French who are behind this and every bad thing claim the teachers <laughs> showed it about the real world and it's only harmless fun. Hey, if you want to freak yourself out sometime, go hang out at a... Uh, not that I do this. Uh, go hang out at a pro-anorexia message board. Those are fun places. Those are so creepy. Those are really great. Yeah. Meanwhile, a Florida high school senior described as perfect has lost her life from complications due to breast enlargement surgery. The Palm Beach Post reports friends of 18-year-old Stephanie Kuliba say the varsity, uh, varsity cheerleading squad captain died from a severe reaction to anesthesia. The procedure on Kubla was performed the night before at an outpatient clinic in Boca Raton. The cause of her death not yet been released. Her death comes as an increasing number of procedures such as breast implants, tummy tucks, and liposuction are performed on females as young as 14 years old. Now, see, but, that, but they always say that, and I always think that's kind of made up. They're blaming such programs as extreme makeover for driving teenagers to doctors' offices waiting to reshape their imperfect bodies. See, no, I don't think so. In the age of the like, Gossip Girl, and I watched this horrible program when I was at my parents' house called The Real Housewives of New right, York City. Right, no, I've seen that, yeah. They're those girls, spoiled. Those girls are like 12 and 13, and they're, they look like they're 18. But like, I could see I, that happening. I can see girls wanting it, but it seems, I, I guess... It's a different world. They have they, they, their thought process is different. No, no, no. I, I understand that. No, no, no. I totally understand why a girl would be like, you know, 14 and growing up in this culture. 
Because I'm not one of those guys, you know, that I think I do not deny the influence of the media in warping young people. I just don't that's care. That's what it's for. Yeah, that's what the media is here for. <laughs> that's why God created the media. Um, so I guess, so I totally believe that there's a the desire. I guess in some part of me, I guess I feel like I'm having difficulty believing that you are, as a 14-year-old girl, can walk into a doctor's office and get breast implants. I Legally speaking, I guess I can't. I would need to hear, like, confirmation that that's even legal. What if it came as a gift certificate, like a Christmas stocking? <laughs> right next to the McDonald's uh, buy one and get one free filet fish So I can certainly understand that girls want it done. I, uh, and maybe it's different if you're, like, some rich kid with a billion dollars. Maybe you can get it done more easily. But, like, if you're just some 14-year-old girl in Portland, I, I really wonder if you can go into a doctor's office and be like, make my boobs larger, and, and they'll do it. I... I, I I would be curious to know how common that is in terms of doctors who are willing to do it. Because it seems like that's a lawsuit just waiting to happen. Because if you get it when you're 14 or 15, uh, and then maybe puberty hasn't finished with you, and then you end up all lumpy and misshapen. So, well, whatever. Uh, but, but I think you have to agree that The Housewives of Orange County is a better show than The Housewives of New York. I haven't seen The Housewives of Orange County. The Housewives of New York was just really annoying. They talked with their kids a lot and getting them into school. And it was really want, boring. And you just want them all to but be killed. But the stage mothers and... Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was crap. I want to see them eaten by Wolverines. <gasps> no, you know what? I did see um, the California one once, and you're right. It was good. Say it's much better. Well, well it's, cause it's so trash, and they're just wasted the entire time. Yeah. I've only seen the New York one, and they broke the hell out of They're all hitting on each other's husbands. Yeah. Oh, you need the Orange County ladies. They're much better. Don't you think there's... Okay, let me just say this. Uh, we all watched, and by we all, I mean us, uh, we all watched, uh, you know, like, uh, Wife Swap, and what was the other one, Trading Spouses? Don't you think they should do a reality show that is literally like a full-on wife swapping show? Not like at a swingers club, but literally where husband and wife, who are both, you know, a cu- two couples, where they are in agreement, where you're not like shoving, uh, okay, I know what Americans like, how about this? A show like Wife Swap, or Trading Spouses, and it would be with couples who have thought about or toyed with the idea of swinging, but have never done it, and they full-on swap spouses for one week in every way. And it wouldn't be people who have, like, been swinging for ten years, because, like, you know... We've like already... the Richie Bristols yeah, of the world? Yeah, like, and we've seen enough of those people on real sex, like, forever. This would be two relatively normal couples who have toyed with the idea of swinging. And I don't mean, like, threesomes and group sex or whatever, just like, literally where they just swap husbands or wives, however you want to look at it, for a week or for a month, and then just follow and see what happens. I'd be, I totally, I would totally watch that. Because the first time I heard like wife swap the show, I'm like, yeah, hey, hey, and then like, and then it was crap. There was, there was, there was, there was no sex involved. Uh, so I would totally watch a show where they literally did the great switcheroo for, for one week. I think that's a great, and you know it's coming too. You know somebody's going to do that. Uh, let us break here. Uh, we got kind of behind. We'll come back. Uh, Jim Roop, somebody, uh, Tim, somebody has a, an answer for your sticking it to the man about the uh, Wi-Fi. All right. Uh, somebody has a lyric for a Barack Obama song. We have the top five coming up. All that you stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program now streaming live. But you are Radio program. Rick, kombucha is another load of garbage foisted on dumb white people as being healthy. 
He says, now quoting from Wikipedia, no clinical study has ever been performed that demonstrates any health benefit from kombucha. Says the uh, glucuronic acid uh, that the hippies claim in detoxifies you is available in detoxification pills that have also not been lying around and gathering mold. Said, is it essentially a fermented tea and is exactly the same thing as leaving a beverage out for several weeks, taking the scum off the top, and then drinking it? Uh, he said it's like finding a green, fuzz-covered, rotted burrito underneath your driver's seat and deciding to eat it because the mold has made it healthy. Aaron would do it. Really? I don't think so. Aaron Duran? Yes. Are you just speculating? I'm just speculating. He says uh, drinking kombucha is a sign of mental incompetence and a willingness to punish yourself for unknown reasons for your, quote, health. It is so disgusting. I tasted like a sip of it, and I almost wanted to vomit. says you can buy it in a pill, you moronic hippies. Yeah. Thank you, sir. You speak for us all. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, from Los Angeles, Singing and radio correspondent of the stars, James Roop. Hello, sir. How are you? What's up, brother man? You tell me. Uh, I had a fantastic weekend in Las Vegas. How, yeah, how'd that go, man? El Cortez, baby. And? Yeah, it was everything. You're back to work, so I'm guessing. Oh, it was awful, uh, but I mean, it was great, you know. Uh, our, let's see, it was $40. Our window didn't open. The air conditioning didn't work. Uh, hotel room covered in cigarette burns. Beauty. Uh, all the cocktail waitresses, 100 years old. Uh, and uh, even though they have those giant filtration systems, know, the whole place... And that's, and that's the weekend staff. Filled with smoke, the whole place. So, yeah, gold and gold. All right. Uh, Come away a winner every time, don't you? By the way, here is, is a little uh, side note. that So at one point, my wife and I went to gamble. We went to play poker at Binion's. And so we're sitting there uh, in the... Uh, um, you know, in the Binion's poker room, and you know, the, the dealer kind of makes conversation. This woman named Raven, who kind of talked like this, looked like her name ought to be Bertha. And she says, so where are you guys from? And Portland, Oregon. Oh, where are you staying today? Said, oh, we're staying at the Yale Cortez. And she actually stopped the deal. She sort of stopped the shuffle, and she said, really? And we said, what? She goes, but why? <laughs> and we said, well, you know, we've always kind of, we've always kind of made fun of it, so we figured we owed it to the Yale Cortez to stay there once. She goes, well, they... They ought to pay you to stay there. <laughs> so apparently, I was afraid that I might have just inflated it in my head to being bad, but apparently it is awful, even by the standards of the rest of Old Vegas. Yeah, yeah, so, it's pretty bad. Gold, brother. Um, I ended up, uh, uh, I ended up about twenty bucks down for the whole trip, but my wife ended up like a, up about a hundred. So uh, wow. you know, it's a, it's a wash plus eighty. So you can't ask so for more than that. She stopped. You didn't. Uh, she's just a much better gambler than I am, frankly. Uh, not to be the guy telling bad beat stories, but I was I was up, and uh, I I lost a hundred bucks on the river on a single hand of poker, and I was just like, that's it. I'm out. I'm done. 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 So uh, and it was a good trip though. It was uh, it was good times. I didn't get a chance to several things. I didn't get a chance to see our friend Lowe, who lives there. I didn't get a chance to see uh, we have a listener Randy who lives there. I also did not get a chance to go by the courthouse. So oh, too bad. I know it was just you know too many oh, things okay, to do. I'll send you pictures. Yeah, it was just uh, you know I did get to go to see that we saw the greatest museum there, the Museum of Atomic Testing. It's really cool. Uh, it's a brand new museum and it it is a whole museum where they discuss. Uh, and show uh, artifacts from all those atomic tests they did in the 40s and 50s. And uh, it's pretty great, actually. It's great and creepy and sort of makes you, like, proud to be an American and, like, deeply ashamed at the same time because it's, <laughs> you know, because they're talking about, like, you know, the people who come to gamble at Binion's, for example, and to be, you know, gamble and drink, and then every night at 9 p.m., an atomic explosion five miles away. And they show people standing on the balcony literally just Dress normally, but with a pair of like sunglasses, like thick oh. sunglasses. No, this will this will be fine. You'll be you okay. Protect yourself. 
Yeah, it was um, it was really really creepy and great. So anyway, so there you go. So that's congratulations. Uh, thank you. Uh, and as of uh, today, uh, the AM nine seventy live stream. We're in our we're we're this is a test week, but we're about one week away from our next uh from from launching the full on live stream of this show. So it's a good day. Things are good this week. Wow, very nice. Uh, congratulations. Thank you, my friend. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, and I got to go to In-N-Out on Friday. They were closed on Easter Sunday, but I got to go to In-N-Out Friday. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They really were? They were closed so their families could spend time with uh, the Lord here. and with family. Really? Is that true? That's true. I had them uh, Easter Sunday at lunch. Interesting. Uh, the one in Vegas, was uh, they were closed on Easter Sunday, so we went there Friday night, uh, and then uh, Sunday we hit Fat Burger, um, and, uh, but we were not able to hit In-N-Out. But it was fine. Uh, on, on Saturday we went to a buffet, and I ate half a pound of bacon. <laughs> Main Street Station, baby. So, uh, anyway, so I drank, I, I ate half a pound of bacon, and my wife had like nine glasses of champagne. So it was a good trip all the way around. <laughs> uh, let's see, what are we, well, I guess it says here that you're discussing hobnobbing with the stars. Uh, you know, there's, uh, every year they announce these, uh, vacation, these summer rentals in Malibu. 150 grand a month. Right. You know, it's just ridiculous. And is this like the want to run into Pamela Anderson pumping gas? I guess that's the whole point, so I can be next to David Spade or something. Yeah, but you can you can just go and walk around Malibu and do that. Why pay 150 grand to do that? Is that see? And, and having not like ever spent a lot of time there, is that a thing that really is true? If you're just sort of wandering around the streets, uh, you know, yeah. you do sort of see a lot of the celebrity folks. Yeah, I mean, when I was covering wildfires, I saw uh, Pierce Bronson buying coffee once. See, there you go. So, and all that without paying 150 grand. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was getting paid. Uh, see, the uh, I had something else I was going to ask you. What the hell else was there? Some other thing uh, that happened? Uh... Oh, here we go. This is okay. And this is you are talking about this. And Tim Riley just handed this to me. Actually, federal prosecutors Monday charged 19 individuals from Southern California with defrauding homeowners. Oh man, that's a sad story. By using foreclosure rescue pitches and an equity. This is a good phrase. An equity draining technique called stripping. Yeah, it's wild. What they would do is they, they would find a homeowner who's near foreclosure. So, you know, they're panicked in the first place. Sure. And they'd, get, they'd say, well, we have two options. Well, no one ever qualifies for the first option. The second option is we'll add an investor to your title. You pay that investor. The investor will pay the bank. Therefore, you're reestablishing your credit. You're paying everything on time, and it's a lower payment than it was, and you get to keep your house and repair your credit. Meanwhile, these people go in now that they're on the title, and they suck all the equity out and leave these people bone dry. Uh. We're talking over 100 homes, almost $7 million. And some of them in Oregon, actually. They said they were victims yeah, in Oregon. It's a nationwide uh, scam. The head of it was... Uh, uh, Charles Head is his name, actually, uh, from uh, from California. And this from Los Angeles. Is, I mean, this is exactly the kind of market in which that is, you know, that it, finds ready takers. It really is. It really is. It's, it, it's a very sad thing. The problem is, is the people who are so close to foreclosure, they're, they're like I said, they're panicked. Right. And so the, the worst thing to do is to listen to an unsolicited, hey, we're going to help you. I mean, you go to your bank, you go to your lender, and you try to work something out. You don't sit there and someone knock on your door with a watchtower and a... A way to repair your credit. Really, a guy who comes unsolicited by your screen door in yeah. the afternoon is probably yeah. not the most reputable of financial advisors. <laughs> exactly. A guy who's like there in a rented ice cream truck, basically coming by. That's <laughs> like the clipboard on him. Really, honestly, yeah, that's not really where you're liable to find. It's not where you're going to find the E of Hutton's of the world. Absolutely. So, all right, are you uh, are you on tomorrow? Did you say you were taking vacation? Was that you? Nope, not me. Excellent. I don't. I don't, I don't think I have vacation until the end of summer. That's okay. You know, vacation is for lesser men, Jim. You know. <laughs> 
For lesser, it's for uh, it's not you. You roll, you roll tough and hard. You don't take thank vacations. You. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Enjoy your afternoon, and uh, we will talk to you very soon. All right, thank you. Thank sir. you, James Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right, let's do some of these phone calls, and I think we've got Barack Obama lyrics coming in. Oh boy. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. I I gotta apologize. I should have made it clear to Richie. I don't have a way for Tim to get uh, to get the free Wi-Fi. Ah, I just thought, okay. I just. I just thought the sticking it to the man segment is awesome. I think it should be a real. Oh, I've written it down right here. Sticking it to the man. I think we do that sometimes I, when we know about like I, um, speed traps. Yeah. I've got. I got. A, I do have a way to him for him to recoup the ten dollars and stick it to another man to recoup his money, though. Is this by mugging someone? No, no, no. Okay. I got. Uh, there, I, I, had, I had a couple suggestions. First, um, I got a free flash drive from Buy.com because they had a deal where you, uh, if you used your Gmail account to register with Buy.com and uh-huh. then you bought using your Visa card, well, they knocked 995 off your order plus free shipping. Well, there's a 995 flash drive on there, so I did that and got a free flash drive in the mail. Excellent. Well done, sir. And, and the other one is uh, another way to really stick it to the man is uh, I didn't feel like paying uh, to get new tags for my uh, the last car I had, and I had really thick license plate frames, and it totally covered up the tag, so they didn't draw any attention to the fact that I've had two-year-old tags. We don't and, recommend this, of course. This oh, is for you know what it is. This is like one of those uh, psychic things that entertainment purposes only, not for purposes right. of investment or actually evading the man. Yeah, it's just for laughs. All right, but, uh, for a goof. But, uh, yeah, it uh, it keeps the, the attention away from your license plate. Excellent. Well done, sir. Thank All you. Right. Oh, one other thing, uh, I wanted to call the uh, that whole the Obama spoof song you guys are going to do. Yeah. I thought it would be called uh, Political Jankum. Thank you. There you go. Bye. All hmm. right. Uh, so let's. I think we should work on the chorus. Okay. So we should start so with the chorus. the chorus. How does it well, go? Well, let's right listen now? to the song here. I apologize. I don't have this as an MP3. I guess I could find it on YouTube, which would allow us to back up here. Let me see here. This is, I'm just playing this. I'm, I can, can find it on the YouTube. Can you find it on YouTube? That will allow us to back up. I was tired of my lady. How 70s is this song? My lady. All right. Like a worn out recording of a Okay. If you like Pina Colada. Okay, so that's if you like Barack Obama. If you like Barack Obama. If you like Barack Obama. I wish I could sing. If you like Barack Obama. All right. If you like Barack Obama. Okay, now we're going to lead up to McCain. So it's got to be something that rhymes with McCain. I thought you... I, McCain... If you like Barack Obama, blah, 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 Bane. Because then we're going to say, I am not in the Clinton, I am not for McCain. I'm just going to go ahead and write that down now. Yeah, leave a space. I am not into Clinton. I am not into Clinton. I am not for McCain. I am not for McCain. I am not for McCain. All right. This is how Stairway to Heaven was written. Uh, so we need something that rhymes with McCain. Pain? Maine? Bane. Bane. Uh, I guess we could say more of the same, Disdain. but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to rhyme something with agent of change later on, though. So we can't say if we say more of the same here, uh, you know, we'll have to come up with something different later. Okay. Right. So if you like Barack Obama, if you like Barack Obama, and then uh, something that rhymes with McCain, uh, I could just say verse is more of the same. 
I kind of like fame. It's, it's going to screw us later because uh, we'll have to come up with another rhyme for change. That's fine. All right. If you like Barack Obama versus more of the same. I liked that the first time. Versus that. more of the same. So I guess, are we still writing this the way the song is written in, in terms of that he's seeing, he's placing a one ad for a like-minded Barack supporter? Rick Emerson, you're the songwriter. That's actually a really good idea. All right, okay. If you're not into Clinton, if you're not for McCain. All right, okay. If you like Barack Obama, for more of the same. If you're, okay, we got to write it then because it's a one ad directed at somebody. we got to be true to the theme of the song. If you're not into Clinton, if you're not for McCain. If you're not for McCain. If you like making love at midnight. Uh, yeah. uh, if you like making love at midnight. Um, ba 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 Well, it should be something on like it. Yeah, if you if you like something. Wait. If you ba 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 healthcare. If you want. If you want uh, something in our healthcare. If you want. Changes if you want. If you want changes, I don't know. I was, I was hearing if, if you're opposed to war and something. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, um, all right. Well, we should see see what these people. Let's see if the people have. Uh, yeah, my head here. hurts. <laughs> so see, I am not good at writing lyrics. It's, it's difficult. Uh, don't vote for a dame. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick and Tim. It's Mailman Brian. Hey, what do you got? Hi, Brian. Okay. Well, hey there. Uh, well, first of all, one observation on Vegas, Rick, that I meant to tell you before you went. So. Yeah. I was there years ago, a uh, long time ago, back in the late 80s, and we, me and somebody stayed at a lovely place just south of where you were called at the El Cid, and it's just a hotel. It's not a casino or anything, but uh, kind of a funny thing. We got there pretty late at night, and uh, there were like three of us, uh, you know, or two of us, whatever, sharing, sharing a room or whatever, and right. a couple of beds. We go, we get in the room there, you know, and it was like $29 or something. It was really dirt, of course. Dirt cheap, of course. We get to the room there, and it has a window. We open up the window. And you're looking at a brick wall. <laughs> that is, you know, by the way, Aaron and Jen at the El Cortez paid for a deluxe suite. Uh, yeah. And the, the window in their deluxe suite just looked out on the big air conditioning box on the roof. So, <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, so that was great. And the other thing, one observation about, about the people in Las Vegas, at least down the strip. Yeah. Uh, two words, uh, fat and white. And leathery. Oh, and leathery, absolutely. Right. Thank so, you. Okay, so well, here's, my, here's my lyric. Yes. Okay, well, I have three different ones, and you can go for the second line in the chorus. I had, and you're tired of the shame, or you're tired... That would rhyme with change. That would, We need something that rhymes with agent of change. That's what I was thinking. I'm tired of the shame or tired of the lame, but I think this shame maybe uh, goes more. And I also have the word disdain in that as a possibility, too, but that's just my... Uh, and, and you're tired step. of the shame. All right, excellent. Thank so, you, sir. You bet. All right, bye. Yeah, then. yeah I do like that. Disdain would be good to use. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, I got two of them. All right. If you like Barack Obama and your pastor's insane. <laughs> no, this no. has to be. No, no, no. We're trying to keep this a pro-Obama. That's the way to get it done. That's the way to get it played. Although, I mean, we could go the whole other way and make it anti-Obama, but that seems too predictable, and there's too many of those songs already. No, it would be pro-Obama in the fact that it would distance himself from that that pastor's comment. I think that's a subtlety that might be lost on most listeners. Okay, and I have another one. Yeah. Um, if you like Barack Obama and you dig chocolate rain. Thank you. Okay. Bye. That's definitely good for our show, just I don't think for the overall. Here's what we need. Overall. Here's how we're going to have to do this, Sarah. We're going to have to do it one line at a time. Okay, here's what we need. We need the we need the line that replaces if you like making love at midnight. That's what we need right now. Right now we need if you like making love at midnight. 
uh, replaced with something for the pro-Obama song. Do a couple more, and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey. Hey. Um, how's it going? Hey, what's up? <laughs> um, if we need a new direction. <laughs> That's it. Yes. That, gold, gold. Hold on. <laughs> if you want a new direction. <laughs> hold on. And you're tired of the shame. Okay, hold on. Don't Nobody move. If, Why, this seems easy all of a sudden. It, it's, Tim, it's so easy a child can do it. If you want a new direction. Yeah, and who doesn't? And you're tired of the shame. Then all we need is, uh, then the final line of the chorus is, and be an agent of change. So here's what we need. Uh, what, what, is the th what is the final line of the, hold on a second. In the I'm tired of the shame. That's what we need to replace. I'm the love that you've looked for. And it's got to be... The, he's the choice that we've looked for. He's the... But if, if it's placing... If, if this is a personals ad he's reading. If he is reading a personals ad... Wait, you're confusing me. So this is a personals ad that somebody who loves Barack Obama is placing for somebody who else who loves yes, Barack Obama? Yes, yes. It is a supporter looking for another supporter. Supporter. Uh, uh, it is a Barack supporter looking for another. And the ad reads... This is the ad they have placed. If you like Barack Obama... Uh, versus more of the same. If you're not into Clinton, if you're not for McCain, if you want a new direction and you're tired of the same, then it's got to be a come with me, blah, 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 we'll be agents of change. Oh. So that third line has got to be... Come on, vote with me for Obama. Yeah! Yeah! There you go. God, we're twice. Can we say Obama twice in one chorus? Of course you can. Okay. Vote with me for Obama? Is that yeah. what you said? Vote with me. Don, does that pass approval? Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Gold. Vote with me. Then it's settled. For Obama. <laughs> then that's that. We need to break, right? Okay. Final. Should it be and be an agent of change or he's an agent of change? And oh. Be an agent of change. Be yeah. an agent of change. All right. Let's take a break. This, see, we're like a third of the way done. Be an agent of change. All right. All right. Excellent. Gold. All right. Back after this with more of your phone calls. Wonderful. So we've got the chorus. All we need here. Uh, we just need some like some fine tuning. We need well, we need filler lyrics here for this, you know. Except they'd be reading on Craigslist, right? Yeah. I was reading on Craigslist. All right, uh, everybody out there. Here's what we need. We need the the verses at the beginning of the song that lead into the chorus. We need the opening stanza of the Pina Colada song, uh, done for Barack Obama. Go back after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. So I've got this thing about Priscilla Presley. This is from Heckler Spray, where they claim that the doctor is also an Argentinian hooker. He was injecting industrial low grade silicone similar to what's used to lubricate auto parts in Argentina into the women's faces. The injections cause lumps, paralysis, and holes in the faces of. Some of the women he injected. Ew. Just be wrinkled. But it's only some of them. I suppose. There are a few success stories in there, I'm sure. Results not to pickle. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A missing man from the coup may have died while digging for buried treasure. James L. Moore has been missing since 2007. And the family believes he may have been digging for buried treasure when the cave collapsed on them. 
He's been known to dig very deep tunnels looking for treasure, and he's always been unsuccessful. Tomorrow, search dogs and police will try to locate his body at an excavation site, which they think is next to the Discovery Trail, just north of SR 500, east of St. John's Boulevard. Treasure. I barely knew her. Begin at 8 a.m. Prosecutors in Manatee County, Florida, are proceeding in a case with a man arrested for soliciting prostitution. Uh, he's one of two 93-year-old men who were arrested. He paid $20 to an undercover police officer, and he said he was only flirting with a woman. I haven't had that in years, he said. 93 is kind of old. His friend Carlos, also 93, was arrested and will not be charged, although he does not deny chatting with a good-looking gal who made eyes at him, who turned out to be the undercover cop. All it was going to be was talk. It wasn't for sex. I'm 93, you know. About 200 kids from the Queen Elizabeth School in Cambria, England, were involved in an event that left many of the girls undergoing emergency contraception through the help of the school and the boy hospitalized. A village hall committee allowed the students to use a village hall for an end-of-the-year party, not knowing that there were no adults responsible for the event yeah. and in which sex, drug abuse, and violence took place. Oh. All hell went loose during the event. The children were drunk to the eyeballs. <laughs> they were having sex in the village square standing up. A two-page letter of details will be sent to all parents. Sex standing up. That's too That's too much. I can't... What kind of children were these? Uh, let's see, 11th graders. But, I mean, were they... They were di- high schools. Differently abled somehow? No, they were, They just belonged to a school. Okay. They are having an end-of-the-year party. What kind of... I never had... With I... no adults responsible. <laughs> my my end-of-the-year parties were never like that. So, no... The kids were drunk to the eyeballs. Excellent. Is that a British uh, paper? It is, yes. Thank you. God bless the British. All right. Fantastic. That's it. Uh, you want to do the top five, Tim? Oh, yes. I By do. the way, I got some great lyrics for the Obama thing. We'll read this later. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five. five four, three, two, one. Fire! Zam. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, here is uh, Tim Riley with your top five. In the world of music, there are all manner of songs. The good, the bad, those so bad they're good. And those that fall somewhere in between. These are the top five songs that ought to be unlistable by now, but remain great, at the, least in the estimation of some. These are the top five songs that really, by all rights, ought to be so cheesy you can't enjoy them, uh, but they are still enjoyed. Now, what I've done, uh, I walked around the halls this morning, and I got one song from the first, like the first five people I ran into. I had them each give me one song. So this is one song from each employee I ran into this morning. Audible mention goes to Dolly Parton, 9 to 5, suggested by Rick's wife, the lovely Laura. Yeah, this is actually her suggestion. Dolly Parton, 9 to 5. What a great song this is. This is a fantastic song. And, and a great movie. <laughs> and typewriters for percussion. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life This is a truly great song. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the street the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job for nine And it's got real soul. It swings. Working I mean, there's, there's an authentic groove there. There really is. <laughs> That's the whitest thing you've ever said. Why, this you are sound like a typical white man. This has an authentic groove, and I can swing to it. I mean, it's a white groove, to be sure, but it's there. 
I bet she has sassy backup singers for this song. I do like the phrase, just another step on the boss man's ladder. Here's Tim Riley. Number five, Lover Boy, working for the weekend. Suggested by KUFO program director Chris Paddock. They used to play this on the Mighty Mech KMAT every Friday at 5. Really? Yeah. When you think back to KMAT, you like to think it was all, like, really, like, you know, street cred rock, like the real deal. Same thing over and over. It really was just the same crap as everything else. This was actually one of two Loverboys suggested. Uh, James suggested loving every minute of it. Uh, and then Paddock was like, working for the weekend. So I kind of had to go with that one. Where was I this weekend? Oh, this is at that at that bar at Kahunaville. They played this song, of course, with the Scotty J DJ guy. And on the Scotty J that loves the song. On the huge he does on the huge plasma screen. They were showing the Swayze Farley dance off to go with this. It was kind of great and sad. These are the top five songs that ought to be cheesily unlistenable by now, but are not. Huey Lewis in the news. I'm on a new drug suggested by KUFO Promotions director Becca Berta. So Becca. I asked her, I'm like, hey, what is a song that really ought to be cheesily and listenable, but that you still love unironically? She's like, without hesitation, I want to drug. Well, she completely... Did anyone hesitate? Because I think no. when you asked me, I didn't hesitate either. No. She was like, tip of it, she, Huey Lewis, I want a new drug. And you knew yours right away, too. I remember when the song came out, and this was considered a little controversial because of the title. There was a lot. Of, there was a lot of finger finger wagging and tongue clucking about this song. In the "Just Say No" uh, Nancy Reagan era, this song passed for edgy. We weren't allowed to listen to this at my uh, Catholic school. You, when I'm alone with you. These are the top five songs that ought to be unlistenable but are not. Number three, Kenny Loggins' "Footloose," suggested by Rick Emerson. This was completely my suggestion. I love this song. Look, we're all moving. Everybody in the room. I haven't Even stopped Tim. moving this entire list. Tim is completely. Tim is snapping his fingers. Yeah. That's a pretty great guitar little line there. Dead, dead. That's got uh, what the kids call a Bo Diddley beat there. Everybody loved this movie in Utah because I think it was set in Utah, filmed or set there or both. Well, of course, if a town you couldn't dance in, it would probably be Utah. The No Fun Zone. I'm not a big fan of Danger Zone, but I love this song. I love Danger Zone. <laughs> See, and I, I can't get with Danger Zone anymore. I mean, this is a, this is a really great song. I think it's time for a really great remake of this. It's going to be some hip-hop remake, you know it. Just a flat-out, full-on, just, you know, pedal-to-the-metal remake of Footloose. It's time. These are the top five songs that ought to be cheesily unlistenable, but I are not. I totally agree with this one. Number two, Night Ranger's Sister Christian, oh, yeah. suggested by KUFO's Big Jim. Yeah, he didn't hesitate either. Like, Big Jim, you know, song that ought to be cheesy, but you love He's like, Night Ranger, Sister Christian. I love Sister Christian. It's true. 
I wonder if there's one of those songs when they wrote it, like when they rehearsed it for the first time, if they just looked at each other and they're like, swimming pools, full of cash. <laughs> I mean, bands have to have that moment. When you write a song and you look at each other and you're like, this is it. It's all, we're all going to get laid. Do we have time to wait for the... We can't play Sister Christian and not play that. Damien, we hit the post? No. <laughs> Formaldehyde, right here on the Rick Emerson Show. It's Night Ranger and Sister Christian. Turn it up! Yeah. Wow, Rick, that was so impressive. Yeah, that's right, bitches. I was being sarcastic. Oh. You just got a groove and you can bug out to it. Tim loves the number one song. These are the top five songs that ought to be cheesily unlistenable, but are not. Number one, Survivor's Eye of the Tiger, suggested by Sarah X. Dillon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tim, you love the song. More than anything. <laughs> <laughs> More than words can say. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman and top five lister. Thank you. Back at four, five, six, and seven. Top of the hour, the way through like us. By the way, tomorrow's top five. I'm working on tomorrow's top five. Top five artists that you must separate from their art, musically speaking. In other words, where the people themselves are repellent, horrible, disgusting, weird, vile, but the music itself, unimpeachable. Please send your suggestions to rick at rickemerson.com. I've only got four right now. Uh, tomorrow, top five musicians you must separate from their music. See, I hit the uh, initial post there. Secondary post is coming up right here. Oh, you talked on that. I know. I missed it. This is a great song. I, I will kill anyone who says otherwise. It's a great song. See, and then you feel like the hook is coming, then make your way. I could listen to this all day. I think everybody could. We should have a format that's just this and Sister Christian. Have I told you the story about this lead singer? You know who no. he is now? Real Men of Genius? He's the singer. Yeah, oh, you did say that. Mr. 12,000 Calories Salad! That's him. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah! We're doing that thing where, like, when directors are so in love with their own movie, they just go silent on the commentary. Uh-huh. We're just so in love with this song, and rightly so. The Rick Emerson Show returns after this with your phone calls. Like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7. Stay there. Don't go anywhere. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. I didn't know your microphone was on. That's okay. Uh, I got some over here. great lyrics here. This is uh, Chris sent these. Um, I'm going to tweak these a little bit, but there's some good stuff here. Uh, because we're doing, we're looking for the opening lyrics to the Pina Colada song, but we're going to write it about Barack Obama. Uh, so this is, um, I was tired of my party, like it had been a, la- uh, it had been a lame duck, uh, blah, 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 blah. 
Um, so while the candidates were running, I read the Craigslist online. And in the personal section, this post caught my eye. And then you're going to be, <gasps> if you like Barack Obama. And then, like, he's got the closing. So here. I'm harmonizing with you on, at the chorus? I think so, yeah. Okay, um, that works for me. Uh, I didn't think about other options. I know it sounds kind of mean, but th that old man and old lady seemed like the same old routine. So mm -hmm. I respond. I'm going to tweak these a little yeah, bit. Seem, yeah. Uh, so I responded to the posting by making a post of my own. And though I'm not uh, much for politics, I thought it struck the right tone. These are really good. I can do something with these. Uh, Chris, you, you're about halfway there. Uh, I'm going to tweak these a little bit. But we got to... There's something like that. I was tired of my party. It had been a lame duck. Uh, I might also, I might change that a little bit. Tired of my party. We've been down on our luck, maybe. All right. Uh, let's do some calls here to round it out. Well, so I may come back tonight, and I've got the track. I may come back tonight and l lay down the vocal. I may come back tonight and sing the, the male part. Then tomorrow, if you want, yeah, because I think the chorus is, or uh, I think the harmony is just a female doubling the male line in the chorus. Yeah, I think so. I say like I know what I'm talking about. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Rick. Hi, yes, yeah, sir. Hey, how you doing? What do you got, brother? Uh, well, I was going to say for your same and shame rhyme, you could use uh, disregard his middle name is Hussein or forget his middle name. His is middle Hussein. name is Hussein. All right, points for comedy. All right. Thank well, hey. Yes. Thank, thank, thank you very much. And, hey, look me up. Hole on your MySpace friends list or adapter. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, buddy. All right. Bye, bye now. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to say I have two things real quick. But, first of all, you guys are really good at writing songs. It'd be amazing if there was something coming up on April 11th where um, maybe, like, Portland Cello Project was uh, – you know, covering one of your songs or something like That's that. That's crazy. I know. I, I think this guy named, um, like, Dick Memerson. <laughs> I think it's in this band. I can't remember. Dick Memerson. Yeah, this guy named Dick Memerson might be playing on April 11th with a band called The Wonderstruck. Dick Memerson? Dick Memerson. Dick Memerson. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Oh, uh, yes? also, uh -huh. uh, real quick, because we have closed primaries, uh, April 29th is the deadline for people that might be registered as independents to say that they want to become um, Democrats so that they can so that they can vote. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of get out to vote and tell everybody, hey, get involved. Well done, sir. Thank you. Yes. Vote or die. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? All hail the beautiful Sarah. Thank you. Oh. Um, for the line, if you like making love at midnight, how about if you want the phone answered at midnight, it won't be Clinton or McCain. It okay. goes along with Hillary's... Uh, the 3 a.m. Uh, ad. The 3 a.m. ad, yeah. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Sure, take care. Right. And we could even add, like, kooky phone ringing, like, sounder mm -hmm. in there. Dick Memerson. <laughs> uh, all right, final call, and then we'll play the chorus and figure out how this works. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, you got to say, if you like caucuses at midnight, a new direction's come your way. <laughs> Thank you. Can you play a little bit of the chorus there? Yeah. Just, uh... So uh, this is the. Uh... See, I think it's just she's doubling his part. Yeah, I think it's the yeah, it's the chorus. All right, which will totally work. That'll That's be... fine. That'll be easy to do. And you, yeah, you're a great singer, so you can do that. All right. Well, you and I have harmonized before. That is true, Sarah. It is true, Rick. Um, fantastic, excellent, genius. How much longer? Five seconds. All right. Barack Obama! Fantastic. 
Uh, all right, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop. Uh, good luck at your bowling tonight. Thank you. I'll be there cheering you on. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 70 Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, Richard Ristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. Uh, Bridget from upstairs, uh, and Brian Jones, Director of Engineering, by the way, uh, take huge credit uh, for the online stream which launched today. So congratulations to you all, and thank you guys uh, so much. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Like us next, Don and Mike at 7. We'll see you for the recap at 10 and for the show at 11. Don't forget, the online stream launches for everybody April 1st, and the next listener party is May 15th. Be listening for details. Uh, bye now, duh, and uh, the snakes and the thing, and fill in the... Uh, I'm going to go, I regret nothing, I'm huge. Barack Obama!